Yo, this is Sam's Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 1st, 2016. How's everybody doing out there? Thanks for joining us again. I am back on the podcast once again to break down another glorious week of NFL football. And with me, as always, is my boy Shaka. Shaka, how you doing today? What's going on, guys? Ready to talk some football? Ah, dude, I am ready. I hope they're ready, because whether they're ready or not, it's coming at them. Shaka, let's jump right into it. The New York Jets won another game, baby. What have you got to say about it? Well, apparently, Joe Namath's still not very fond of the quarterback situation, (laughs) because by (laughs) halftime, he was already asking if they can get uh, our boy Fitzpatrick out and have Bryce Petty get a chance to go. Was he drunkenly groping someone's breast? He's drunkly doing something. <laughs> Apparently, he's, he's learned he's learned enough of social media that he's he's giving his opinion now. But uh, it, it was it was pretty. Uh, I can't really say a hundred percent disagree with him because Ryan Fitzpatrick, despite the game, is playing like absolute shit. Yeah, he really is. He really is. I mean, do you attribute how much of of yesterday's or two days ago? Today's Tuesday. The comeback. So pretty much, the Browns jumped out to an early lead, but the Jets came all the way back and won the game. How much of that comeback do you attribute to Ryan Schitzpatrick? Well, not in his defense, but I think in the first first half, it was in the first quarter, he, he took a really hard hit, and he hit his head on the turf, actually. Mm-hmm. And some people were kind of attributing it to maybe he suffered a concussion or maybe he just you know was a little shaken up because he was 3 for 14 in the first half. Yeah, he was, he was bad in that first half. Pretty much killed any chance they had of getting a drive. And it's against the Browns, which... Pretty much every team in the NFL has just dragged across the field. They've been competitive. They've been competitive. The games. But everyone's looking at that matchup saying, all right, this is a gimme. We're playing the Browns D. But they really, I mean, the Browns got out on them in a hurry. Um, I, I, I was I was kind of stunned, it, actually. Even thinking back to it now, I'm kind of stunned because I was trying to remember, like, this is not happening. This is happening so fast. Oh, my God. They're actually down, and we could possibly lose this game. Uh, they. Well, how many quarterbacks have the Browns gone through now? Six. Uh, we're cycling back. Actually, we're cycling back because because McCown is now back in. So at least McCown is back because it's been so been, yeah. long. The the hurt quarterbacks are getting healthy. So McCown's actually been, if I, as far as quarterbacks go, he's probably would I would say their best option at quarterback, mm-hmm. just because he's got experience with that team and the young wide receivers they have. But even then, they should not be. A problem. They shouldn't be a challenge. Yeah. And in the first half, McCown really gave them the business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the defense was, was pretty much stuck, and Fitzpatrick did nothing to kind of pull them out of the hole. In fact, drag them further in. Now I got I got to bring up the Jets secondary again. Darrell Revis. This is okay. So are we panicking? Is that what's going on? I wouldn't say panicking. I would say it's probably more of acknowledging the fact that Revis, which people have been saying for a while now, is he's just not the cornerback uh, he once was. Yeah, and man. I think, Father I think time, that, uh, man. Father time is creeping I, I, up on him. I think the sun is starting to set on his elite status. He's still a good corner, mm-hmm. and I think any team in the NFL would gladly, the way um, secondaries are getting burned nowadays, would gladly take a quarterback of his caliber or cornerback of his caliber. But I think those days of him being a shutdown, you can leave him one-on-one with your best. Mm-hmm. They're definitely done. He, he, he can get torched every now and then, so he's going to need safety help every once in a while. Now, can we talk a little bit about Brandon Marshall? Because with everything that was going on, uh, Brandon Marshall was a little quiet. Like, 
I mean, what do, what do you feel about him? Do you think it's just been a product of the offense and the and the quarterback carousel? I mean, because I feel like I don't think Brandon Marshall's talent has gone anywhere, but I don't see him having as strong a season as he did last year. Any thoughts on that? I, I'm having trouble remembering. There was a post game uh, interview with one of the, the defenders on another team the Jets played and they lost to. Mm-hmm. And I remember the defender saying Fitzpatrick was telegraphing his passes because he would every time they were on third down, Fitzpatrick would just eyeball Marshall, Marshall all yeah. the way downfield. So you always knew that where he was going with the pass. Mm-hmm. So I think what's happened now that and it's it's been even more noticeable that Eric Decker is gone. Yep, yep, is yep. That Brandon Marshall is the man. You shut him down, or you get enough. Um, pressure and help on him and Fitzpatrick kind of he kind of flusters you know in the pocket he loses that you know that concentration yeah so I think it's a lot easier to take him out of his rhythm and it you know if you get Brandon Marshall out of the game we get frustrated and he's still putting up solid numbers he's not yeah. putting up those numbers he was putting up last year yeah just to yeah. Any numbers but it's definitely showing that he's lacking um you know, another good or elite wide receiver to compliment him on, on the field. I mean, speaking of wide receivers, Anunwa, you know, finally, I mean, you want to talk about playing the Browns D, he finally did what I think we were expecting him to do, which is that, all right, Eric Decker's hurt, you're you're going to be the other guy on the opposite side of Marshall, and I mean, Quincy Anunwa right. had a really nice touchdown in this game. And if we can if we can get some more out of him in terms of he had a, I think it was a 60, 65 yard pass. It was, it, beautiful. it was long. It was, here, I'll look it up and right he, now. And he did a lot of the work on that one. So I think if we can get Quincy Dunwa to kind of keep this up, to keep this uh, momentum going, it would probably free up Brandon Marshall a little bit because now you have to respect that guy on the other side. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the tight end situation hasn't really picked up any with um, the pickup of Austin Safari Jenkins. No. Nope. Nope, that's you know rather disappointing to see that happen. I I just kind of thought there'd be a little bit of an uptick with the Jets' offense, but you know they have not cycled him in that quickly. And I mean it's I mean we might not see the fruits of that of that um, the fruits of uh, of that pickup until next season. I think it's addictive. I mean you really just you need more offensive help. They they have a, you know a great running back Matt Forte who had a great day. It was really probably yeah. the savior. Matt Forte, man, you know he when it rains it pours, man. Because when he is hot and he's scoring, he's scoring. When he's doing nothing, he's doing nothing. But I mean, yesterday he was or two days ago he was stomping on the Browns, man. I think it was really even telegraphing. They, there was nothing they could do to really stop him on the run. But really, I think the Jets just need more offensive weapons to kind of make them a little bit more unpredictable. Yeah. You, you're, you're struggling with the Browns. Uh, it's just fine that there's a problem somewhere. No, I agree. I agree. Anything to mention about the Browns? Was there anything? I mean, the only thing that I really saw was that Terrell Pryor is is pretty darn good. He's one of the fewest consistent pieces on this Browns team. I didn't see Isaiah Crowell do much. You know, he gets the volume as the running back, but I mean... You know, it's like the same old story with the Browns. I mean, at least McCown is throwing the ball. I feel a little bit more confident uh, in his ability to put up numbers. Like, from a fantasy standpoint, I don't know. If if you have the right matchup, I don't think McCown is a bad start. You know what I'm saying? Like no. a stream? I think, uh, well, it's a little bit disappointing, Isaiah Crowell, because at one point, I think maybe into week three or four, he was the second-leading rusher in the NFL. Yeah, he was a monster. Yardage. He was doing great. I mean, and he got into the know. end zone, but he had 11 carries for 29 rushing yards. 
Yeah, I think I, I don't know what's happened, but his um, his his production's kind of fell fallen off a little bit. I wanna I wanna say hopefully, and, and it goes the same thing with uh, Terrell Pryor. Is now that he actually has a good quarterback throwing to him, Pryor is dangerous. He's he's super athletic. Mm-hmm. He can go up there and get the football away from a defender. So I I would have honestly said if there was any other quarterback for uh, Kevin Hogan or anyone else that they had in at the time, but I told you it's not worth it because Pryor is not going to give you much value yeah. at the position. Yeah. And now you have a guy who can actually get the football to him. He's well worth a shot because he's practically their best player. Yeah. So and, and you know, I would tell you, even look. Even being the number one receiver, Terrell Pryor, you know he's drawing double coverages. He's still catching those balls. Like, he's still yeah. making plays. Which is, it's kind of scary to see. Just imagine if this team was good, how, how oh. lights out he could be, potentially. Oh, boy, man. I was listening to Mike Lombardi. I told you on Bill Simmons' podcast, and Lombardi was like, listen, I was with the Patriots, and we brought Terrell Pryor in for a look, and we didn't keep him. We missed on that one. Yeah, that would have been. Could you imagine? Just a, and I, I think that already, already the um, the Patriots have a couple former quarterbacks at wide receiver positions. Dude. So it's surprising that they could pass on something the uh, Pats, like this potential. Patriots have an embarrassment of riches on their offensive side of the ball, man. It's just crazy. Um, it's not fair. Anything else you want to celebrate for your two two game winning streak, New York Jets? Before we move away from this game. Not to be Debbie Downer, but I still think uh, Fitzpatrick really, really should not be at the quarterback position. I, I would say I don't want to say the season's a complete wash, but um, if I'm looking at it from a GM standpoint, I want to see what we have in a in a Bryce Petty. Not so much in Hackenberg because I think he still needs to develop. Mm-hmm. But um, Fitzpatrick's pretty much a foregone conclusion. He's gone at the end of the season, so I'd like to see if we actually have something in Bryce Petty, um, or if we should panic. And also, really. Um, it, the Jets are, I, I think they're trying to imagine themselves playing for a playoff position, but it's a pretty pretty tight race right now. I I would say play more for the draft. Yeah, you know, but part of me the, part of me's thinking this is the only reason they're still starting Fitzpatrick is I think they are still have a small little hope that they could squeeze out a playoff spot. I think it's small, but I you know I wonder if in three weeks they start benching Fitzpatrick. I would hope so, just because you really don't want to go into next season optimistic about Bryce Petty and not really having any game game footage or game tape to, to go back on and say, hey, you know what, we knew at this point that it probably wasn't a good idea. Yeah, that's dude, you you are you are siding with Joe Namath. Bring in the backups now. Let's see what the future looks like because right now the present does not look too appealing. And I'm not even drunk. And you're not even drunk, man. And you got a girl at home you don't need to grope, man. You don't need to be groping some reporter <laughs> drunkenly. <laughs> I hope not. She'd, she'd probably not be happy about that. Negative, negative. <laughs> negative Ghost Rider. Pattern is full. Um, let's move on to my Philadelphia Eagles losing in dramatic fashion in overtime to the Dallas Cowboys. A couple of things I want to say right off the bat is, listen, I know the Cowboys won this game, uh, but I want to just throw out there, I thought the Eagles still looked good. I thought that their defense still had some impressive uh, plays. You know, they they didn't thoroughly shut down Ezekiel Elliott, but they slowed him down. Jordan Hicks had a beautiful interception of Dak Prescott right on the goal line. I mean, there was a lot of pe- a lot of things to really feel some optimism about with this Eagles team. The thing that was the real downer was when they went into overtime, the Cowboys got the ball and never gave it back to the Eagles. They went like 92 yards all the way down the field, scored the touchdown. That was it. The game was over. But 
Were there any takeaways that you had, Shaka? First things, the first take from this game. It's a tough loss. I I really can't fault the Eagles for doing anything wrong per se in that. The defense played their heart out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cowboys' defense also really came on strong as yes. the game went on. Yes, I, I agree. Think they really, and I think really it was just an issue of the Cowboys finding finding scenes, finding, uh, you know, keys to pick up on, and they just slowly built momentum. Same thing for Prescott, who started really slowly, but as the game went on, you saw him kind of get comfortable. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, pick apart the defense slowly, but it was enough to eventually break their back in overtime. No, I completely agree. It was really, uh, it was impressive how Prescott got better as the game went on. You know, that culminated in this beautiful game-tying touchdown to Des Bryant. I mean, that was a nice play, and that was Des Bryant going and getting it. That was beautiful. Um, you know, the, the, uh, Cowboys D was forcing Carson Wentz to throw very, like Carson Wentz had very few long passes. It was dink and dunk all game. Um, there were a lot of drops, actually, a lot of drops, receivers, man. which really, it hurt him in a few situations. I mean, um, Aguilar had a big drop by far dude, remember, in the first quarter. Had an atrocious kind of drop. Momentum a little bit. I, I came after that particular drop, I came away and I, and I sort of looked at myself and I was sort of like, is Nelson Aguilar good? Cause I don't know if he is. I think he has flashes of brilliance, but I think he's probably still young and a little bit headstrong. Yeah, I, I listened to an interview after the game where he's just kind of, just kind of waving off, where he's like, "I don't really care about the drops. That doesn't mean anything to me." Just, I think, kind of the wrong mindset. Just, to, you know, I, I get he wants to win, but it's very much of a, you know, dismissive of. His, I think a lot of uh, the the game went away on those drops. Like that yeah. drop that he had was a big one where I think. It wasn't a touchdown, mind you, but it was more of a, it was a third down situation. I want to say it was a third down. It was a key thing where they could have kept the drive alive, and instead, yeah, you know, and they lost all that it momentum. Was a field goal, it would have put more distance between them and the Cowboys at that time, who was still trying to figure out how to get by this defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's a small thing like that. They add up, and eventually, you know, you get to, to overtime, which may not have even existed. Yep. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things you never know, which is why, like, you have to key in on things like that. So, Dude, you are reading my mind. And uh, I want to focus uh, – two more things. I want to focus uh, a little bit on the wide receivers for the Eagles. So, number one, you got Jordan Matthews, who kind of came back and looked good. He didn't have 100 yards, yeah. but he had at least 10 receptions. He had a beautiful touchdown. You know, he did what we expect him to do, at least from a fantasy standpoint he did. Um, then you've got Nelson Aguilar, who we just talked about, who's a little up and down at least right now. I think we want to give him some more time. Then you've got Josh Huff who I think has performed pretty well at times. You know, he's, he had the kickoff return touchdown. He plays very well in special teams. On a downside, I just read today that he got arrested for uh, marijuana and firearm possession. He got pulled over on the Walt Whitman Bridge uh, going across from uh, Philadelphia to New Jersey. So uh, I don't... Yeah, that that hit the that hit the presses today. Apparently, he got pulled over. The cop smelled weed. He found weed in the car. He found a gun in the car. Whether it's his gun or not, I don't know what the situation is. All I gotta say is my brother Daniel M. Rosenberg and Associates is a criminal defense attorney, and Nelson Aguilar might need to be calling his ass. Marketing. It's always about marketing, dude. It's always about marketing, man. Just just reel it out. Say it again and again. Um, but I want to continue to focus on the Eagles' offense, and I say that. Okay, the Eagles' offense as a whole is good, but the but there's no sort of marquee player that's sticking out. Carson Wentz is young; he's getting better, but he was throwing a lot of short passes. The Cowboys were forcing him into dink and dunk. Zach Ertz has not really met expectations so far this season, at least not in a receiving capacity. The offensive line has hung in there. 
This uh, right tackle, Halapuli Vata Vaitai, listen, he's been hanging in there. He hasn't blown any terrible plays since that Redskins game. But the last thing I want to finish with is the running game. So it started out, and Ryan Matthews was pretty much getting the carries. He got the first red zone rushing touchdown. And then they went away from him for the whole game. They pretty much gave Sproles the rock for the entire game. And they were really counting on Sproles to convert some third downs on the ground. And now I'm sitting here saying, who the hell is the running back for this team? Who the hell is the reliable wide receiver? I don't know if I can really trust any of these guys from a starting fantasy standpoint. I mean, any thoughts on on the Eagles' offensive stars? Well, starting with the wide receiver position, I, I mean, it's it's finally good to see Jordan Matthews actually show up because he's yeah. been well flying under the radar the last couple weeks, mm-hmm. and uh, you know this is a big game where they needed him. He started off the season really, really well, and he looked like he was Wentz's like most trusted go-to guy. Yep. And yep. I, I think part of Wentz's struggles is not really connecting with him as well as they did to start. Um, so as for the running back position, I'm just as friggin' confused as you are because I, I, I see at times Ryan Matthews is that guy. He has some fumbling issues, yep. which, I, you know, it seems kind of backwards when he does fumble. Uh, the coaching staff says they still trust him, yeah. they're still going to go with him. And then when he's not fumbling, they're not actually giving him the football. They're going more for Sproles, who I love, who's more of a, to me, he's, catch the screen pass out of the backfield and, and light it up kind of guy. He's not really a third down situation back I would go to per se. So I'm kind of confused as to, and I think the Eagles offensive uh, coordinators are a little bit confused as to who is the man in terms of the running back position. And it's, it's kind of hurting them a little bit. Yeah, I think they want to give the confidence to Ryan Matthews, but I think each game something happens where they kind of they lose a little confidence. And so they just, you know, they know they can go to Sproles. They know... If what if they put Sproles in there, they have more confidence in him making the play work or breaking off a few extra yards or getting that short yardage third down than they do with right. Ryan Matthews. I feel like that's the story we're seeing. I honestly don't see what the harm is in giving uh, Wendell Smallwood a chance to start one game, even if you know Ryan Matthews only getting like say eleven carries. You give that to Wendell Smallwood and let him be your feature back and see what happens and what develops from that. The one response I have is they gave him the ball once this past game, and he fumbled it on the first first play of the drive, and they gave it right back to the Cowboys. The Cowboys kicked the oh, field goal. Oh, Smallwood who fumbled! I thought it was I thought it was Matthew. Yeah, that's okay. what that's what I thought too until I saw it again, and I was like, "Ooh, I cannot bash Ryan Matthews." That was Wendell's because it was like the the cow the Cowboys had gone three and out. The Eagles get the ball back, they fumble it right away, and the Cowboys kick the field goal, and I was like, "Uh oh." Yikes, and that'll do it for you. There are a couple guys who had some fumbles and pretty much gave away their chances to, uh, to get the football this week. And, I mean, that's really – these were these are two good teams. I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are certainly going to be in the I – th- I think the Cowboys are certainly going to be in the playoffs. I think the Eagles are, are going to be fighting for a wild card. And, I mean, this was just two good teams going up against each other, and the Cowboys made fewer mistakes. I think it is only the one thing I'd say is um, it looks like Des Bryant and Dak Prescott actually – can connect and yes. can, you know, work together, which was not like a super big question, but they really hadn't been on the field together for that much time. No, and when they so, were, they didn't look good together. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, the fact that they can come through in such a big game, it also, also to me, cements Zach Prescott deserves yeah. to keep on starting. Dude, Tony Romo, stay on Romo. the bench. Tony Romo, stay on the bench. I, I don't even... I know it's hard to hear. I know there's there's people who don't want to hear it. I, whatever the case, this is football. Dak Prescott's fucking winning. The team is six and one. He's a quarterback. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. And I'm sure the team wants him to be the starting quarterback. I don't think they'd ever want to, you know, loyalty aside, this is just about winning games, and there's a chemistry right now, and Prescott is a big part of it. Yeah. So, yeah. let him play. Um, you want to get away from this game? Yeah, let's move on. All right, let's jump to the Green Bay Packers losing by one point to the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. This was a hell of a game. I was really enjoyed it. Aaron Rodgers threw four touchdowns. Matty Ice had a beautiful touchdown pass to Taylor Gabriel. I mean, he had a couple of really nice touchdown passes. Julio Jones did get shut down. The Packers were like, listen, you can beat us, but you can't beat us with him. What were some of the <laughs> what were some of the takeaways that you had, Shaka? Anything from this game? Well, this is a tough one uh, to see Aaron Rodgers lose because really, I mean, he was throwing to a who's who gallery. Oh my god, he, dude! I was out on the field. I don't know if you saw it. I was wearing number eighty-two. I, I you, maybe know. you I missed feel it. Like I can line up out there. I, I can get a chance. Just give me a shot in the red zone, and I can do it. Put I me mean, in, coach. I, I'm ready to play. <laughs> he kept his team in there. Just uh, he should have been outgunned, and he really wasn't. Which is one of those things I always feel people count Aaron Rodgers out, or mm-hmm. maybe he's lost a step, or. Maybe, he, you know, he's struggling. He's not struggling. He's, he's doing it with almost nothing. He's had so many injuries. Uh, Tom Montgomery was a late scratch. Late that game. scratch. Randall Cobb was a late scratch. Issue. No, it actually, I so I read today Ty Montgomery had a sickle cell trait issue. Sickle cell, that's what it is, yeah. Dude, and but these are, Cobb and Montgomery were both hot coming into this game. Like, these are two guys who were blowing up last week, and then you come into yeah. this game without them. Both of them combined shredded the Bears, and that's not even talking about um, who was the third wide receiver. Who they they had three wide receivers with ten catches last week and hundred yards, which is absurd. And two of the three were out this week, and he was still in oh, the game uh, against the Falcons. Devontae Freeman came back, and he yeah. had he had twelve catches again. Oh, uh, Devontae Adams. Sorry, uh, De- yeah, Devontae. Adams. Adams. I yeah. said Devontae. Sorry, I mixed him up with well, the Devontae other guy Freeman, named Devontae. Devontae Freeman was also in this game, yes, and he had a great game. He had a great game, too. Sorry, both Devontae's <laughs> were good. But yeah, and, you know, he still kept them in the game, which is amazing. Um, Jordy Nelson kind of picked up a lot of the slack when we've been wondering what's been going on with dude, him. And thank sure God, enough, man. He shows up when it counts. Thank God, man. Dude, Aaron Rodgers throwing it to Jeff Janis for a touchdown. Throwing it yeah. to Geronimo Allison for a touchdown. I was like, who the hell are these guys? That's ridiculous. But, you know, um, Matt Ryan, still still probably the front runner for the MVP candidate. Just the things that he's been doing this season and just keeping his team in games and just pulling out some crazy games. The defense is not that great. No, it's so not. They need, him to be, they need him to be on point every game, and he's been pulling it. He's been doing it. You know, he's and I, I kind of think their defense – the pass rush has improved, like, just enough. Like, they're not good enough to slow teams down completely, but they are good enough to disrupt timing to at least give the rest of their defense a chance. And I think that's been a little bit of the difference with the Falcons is their defense is a little bit better, and their yeah. offense is is more solid. Like, their offense was not this slick last year. They were not able to... No, no. I mean, it's still Devontae Freeman. Tevin Coleman was playing better. Tevin Coleman didn't even play in this game. It didn't matter. Yeah. Um, I, I want you I, to... Uh, and Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu Mohamed... picked up the slack for um, Julio Jones. And I guess, he well, he had a touchdown. I think he had uh, maybe eight catches for 80-something mm-hmm. yards, and he had a touchdown. He, you know, he came through and really... And also, he said Gabriel. Gabriel also had a huge catch now, for a touchdown. Now, do you think Mohamed Sanu is worth a stash? Is he, should we go get him? Like is it? Uh, it's a tough call 
just because Sanu really hasn't, he's been kind of inconsistent this year. And I'm trying to remember the last time he had a big game or even a touchdown. Uh, I mean, he, he had a couple of nice games like week one and week three, but he's been really quiet since then. I just he, don't. He's really the outlet guy if, if, uh, if Julio Jones is getting a lot of coverage. Yeah. But at this point, there's been games where Julio Jones, it doesn't matter who you put on him, he's just absolutely eating everyone alive. So it's just a question of whether or not the, the, the special attention that Julio Jones actually takes. Mm-hmm. Because if it doesn't, then you can expect him to have a big game. But it's a, it's a tough call. In my opinion, Julius Jones is the best wide receiver in the NFL. He's yeah. the most dominant. So it's very hard for him to have a bad game. Yeah, I guess we got to yeah. look at them. We got to look at the matchups. If they're playing against a stiff defense that wants to double Julio Jones, then you might start thinking, okay, Muhammad Sanu's a good start this week. Like they're coming up right. there. They're going to be on the road this Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Sanu might That's have. I mean, That's going to be a game to see because who knows? It might be a coming out party for Devonta Freeman, uh, or you, you might see another Julio Jones fighting where he has 170 yards receiving and two touchdowns. Yeah, that actually that feels more likely than anything else. It's a tough spot for Sunu to be in just because he's not a bad receiver. No, nope. just he just happens to be playing him. with the best receiver in the league. Exactly, the sun's really bright on the other side of the field, and you're kind of a candle, so it's it's rough. It's rough going. Um, I'm going to put a, okay, I want you to remember right now, put a pin in your discussion of Matt Ryan being MVP candidate. Just put a pin in it right now. Okay. Anything else you want to say about this game before we move on? Uh, I think that's it. Do you, are you believing in any of these other wide receivers who caught touchdown passes like Geronimo Allison and, and Trevor Davis? I, I don't. I can't really put uh, any money on it. I um. We'll see what happens when Cobb comes back, and I think Montgomery's going to be fine for the next game. Yeah. I'd say check the injury report just to see how he's doing. Okay. Um. Last thing I'll say is running back situation is still completely, completely unknown for the Packers. They just cut Niall Davis. Yes. And uh, your New York Jets just picked him up. Uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, but I have, I still have no friggin' idea who the hell's going to run the ball for the Packers and knowing Aaron Rodgers, he probably doesn't care. He'll just throw it. <laughs> I mean, he's been doing that all season and it seems to still be working. Uh, yeah, it's still, it's still money. next up new England Patriots defeat the Buffalo bills. I, I mean, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, everyone is amazing. This is the team that is, that is not unpredictable this is the team that i can completely know what to expect whether it's a good defense or a bad defense all of those playmakers are going to be great it, it, it was really nice to see julian edelman get a touchdown um I, really i i do have to look at tom brady he's he's almost like oprah on the field he's like you get a touchdown you get a touchdown you everybody a look touchdown. under everybody their seats a it's a touchdown everyone everyone scored i think in a game everyone i think except for james white yeah. Themselves a and, uh, on that offense. and Bennett, Martellus Bennett, you know, got to mention Martellus Bennett owners. It's been a little dicey because since Brady has come back, you know, he had that first game where he threw three touchdowns to Martellus Bennett. But ever since then, it's been very quiet. He's been looking for Gronk. Bennett's been the blocker. I mean, they love that two tight end set, but I don't know how comfortable I feel with Martellus Bennett as a dependable fantasy producer every week. I mean, I think the tight end to have is Gronk and I don't really know if there's a discussion anymore. I think Bill Belichick is just one of those guys who goes, oh, you got a fantasy team going? Well, I don't really give a crap. Yeah, I don't give really, a shit. I mean, you I'm, know, next week we might be saying Bennett had a great game with two touchdowns. Dude. So it's, 
it, it really all depends on what uh, game plan he puts in play, you know, for the week. Um. I completely agree, and and truthfully, like you said, this is a short conversation. I don't think there's much to talk about with the Patriots. Anything to talk about with the Bills. So, McCoy is out. Uh, Mike Gillisley looked pretty good. Um, yes. Even I, when uh, McCoy was healthy and Gillisley got some chances to run the football, he, he had some big runs, and he looks he looks just fresh. He yeah. always looks fresh on the field. No, I, I agree. I mean, part of my question is, will McCoy come back? Uh, the Bills it's are playing. They're playing yeah. Monday Night Football in Seattle against the Seahawks. That's going to be a hell of a matchup. And uh, I mean, and if and listen, if McCoy comes back, how much do you trust him? Like, what do you think? Being perfectly honest, I have McCoy in a team, and if my money is on anything, I would not risk playing him. I think, I think really the Bills made a mistake in having him play the week before. I agree. When I agree. Was, his hamstring was already kind of iffy, and they were. You know, they were at first leading no, and then they end up putting him in, and he hurt himself even more. Yeah. So I think they're going to be extra careful, especially when you're playing a team like the Seahawks, who are called a legion of boom for a reason. Yeah. You know, they're going to play your weakness. And, of course, the first thing they're going to try and do is knock McCoy out of the game. Yeah. Not... I think, honestly, I think you uh, you start Gillesley, you let him play, because the running game one is going to have trouble even mobilizing against this defense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really it's it's not worth the risk. You you, you rest McCoy because you want him for the rest of the season. Yeah. And you don't put him in a situation where he could be out for the rest of the season. Just a shame because McCoy was like, I mean, he was playing out of his mind. Yeah, he, he was having an MVP year, a career year for himself. Uh, I mean, it's just sad to think that he might really miss the the next chunk of the season at this point. It's true. It was a bummer. He was probably my most consistent fantasy starter. Dude, I hear you, man. I have him on a team, and I'm certainly missing him right now. Hang on to Gillisley. If anybody out there has got Gillisley on their team, I certainly think he's going to have some worth for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I recommend hanging on to him. Um, Last thing I'll mention about this game was uh, something that I would not see on ESPN, but something I certainly saw on Deadspin. Uh, At one point when the Patriots were in the red zone, somebody threw a dildo onto the field. (laughs) <laughs> I think I saw that, yeah. That's, um, well... God bless social like media, because ESPN and the major networks would not cover somebody tossing a schlong onto the field. Too much class. Too much class, I'm sure. I think the best, uh, the best caption I read was, somebody threw a dildo onto the field because, well, Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Buffalo pretty much, their fans are, at this point, notorious Super- for being total, total... Crazy people. Super classy, super classy. I will admit it was funny to see the the somebody had a personal video of like the ref removing the dildo from the field. He kind of looked at it, didn't know what to do, didn't want to touch it, and then sort of like kicked it off the field. It's just amazing. I, I, it's it's premeditated. It's got to be. You come to the stadium knowing full well you're gonna throw that. The of field. course, of course. I want to hear. Listen, I'm waiting for that sports article guy to write the entire story about the dildo on that day. It's just a creme de la creme. <laughs> Now, uh, let's get away from this game. Like you said, not much to say. Everything here is pretty predictable. Jumping to the next game, the Oakland Raiders defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime in Tampa Bay to go to 6-2. And and I'm going to recall your discussion about Matty Ice being an MVP candidate because Derek Carr, oh yes, that's right, Derek Carr, the guy that Shaka was like, I don't really know if I'm sold on this guy. Threw over 500 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, looks really, really good. And I ask you now, could you consider Derek Carr as an MVP candidate? Absolutely. I, I 
you know, since that, what was that, week two, I was still kind of hesitant. Mm-hmm. And I think the offense also wasn't really, they weren't leaning on, leaning on him as heavily as they are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, he's an MVP candidate. I will say this, though, not in my defense, but just as plain and simple facts. I think Derek Hart had 56 pass attempts in this game. Uh, that's affirmative. It's, it's something crazy. No, like I'm that. sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Fifty nine pass attempts. Fifty nine. My God. Like sixty times. He. I'm sure he's probably laying in a tub of ice <laughs> after that game. Um, and I mean, really, he had to throw the ball so many times because they were racking up so many goddamn penalties. Oh my God! Setting the record for penalties. First and seventeen. Second and twenty one. I mean, just you know, you have no choice but to throw yourself back into the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, and again, also, that's a testament to Carr is that I, I think they set the NFL record for most penalties in a game. Yes, that was official. I, I think it was, it was 23. I mean, they took it to overtime and they still won the game. I just, and they played a lot of overtime, man. The ball went back and forth. I think they finally, I mean, it was amazing. He threw that 40-yard touchdown to Seth Roberts with like a minute left in overtime. I mean, it was yeah. getting close to another tie. Also, a kind of a concern, and also another reason why he had to throw so much, the running game is just so yep. so sporadic and so... I like Washington, but I don't think they're sold on him so much as, you know, but he has he has a few moments where he's these flashes of brilliance. Dude, it's... We've been, off a big piece of uh, running, but, I mean, I don't know. We've been talking about this since, like, week one or week two. I mean, who is it in their backfield? Latavius Murray, again... Did exactly what he normally does. He just didn't have a touchdown this time. Right. And I think, yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before someone kind of figures out that if you can really, really limit Derek Carr, it's it's been very hard to do so far this season mm-hmm. that you, you can kind of force them to go to the run that you have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I I completely agree because I still don't know what to do with that run with the backfield for these guys. Is it is it Jalen Richard? Is it DeAndre Washington? Is it Latavius Murray? I I don't. I mean, Latavius Murray. I think I think he got the most touches, but I don't really know if that's enough of a decision maker. Much at this point, it's very. It's almost. It's almost in name only. It's that you're the starter because you have you know four more touches than this guy. Yeah. Or five more. I mean, I think the production's been. I think the moral of the story is you want the passing game. Derek Carr is an animal. Amari Cooper is a friggin' animal. Michael Crabtree, he didn't even get into the end zone, but he still had eight catches for 108 yards, and that pales in comparison to Cooper's numbers where he had, what did he, he had 12 catches for 173 yards and a touchdown. I mean, come on, man. Cooper Cooper absolutely ate every defender up who came up against him in that game. Mm -hmm. And really, just no competition. He shredded everybody. Now... We got to talk about the Buccaneers. So, okay. The passing game for the Buccaneers. I'm really starting to get on the fence with this because Jameis Winston, he did not look particularly accurate. Um, no. I, he, he overthrew a few passes. Yes, he did. Uh, you know, he had a couple of touchdowns, but I, you know, I feel like Mike Evans is open at least more, at least five or six more times than Jameis Winston throws him the ball. And when he does throw him the ball, he can't seem to get it to him. Like, I'm sitting here now going, what the hell is going on? Because uh, they have opportunities, but I almost want to look at Winston as being the culprit. What, do you, what are you seeing with this Buccaneers passing game? I think I want to put some of it on the offensive line to speak. Just because Ooh, I yeah. 
he's got to scramble a little bit too much, but he he's just not set when he's throwing anyway. And I mean, he's a good pocket, uh, you know, uh, quarterback out of the pocket because you know he played that system in Florida. But in the NFL, where you got defenders who are a lot more keen to the football, mm-hmm. you have to you have to throw it a little bit. You got to give it a little bit extra so only your guy can get to it. Mm-hmm. You got to throw it at a certain position where only your receiver can go down and get it. And you can't really do that while you're running and throwing off balance. So I think that's really kind of playing into his inaccuracy. And, I mean, Mike Evans is, I think, leading all wide receivers in the NFL in targets. Mm. So he gets looked at all the time. So it's not so much that it's being telegraphed. It's just known Evans is probably going to be the guy to bail him out. Yeah, and Evans is a talent, man. He's huge. He's tall. He can get separation. I mean, there's a reason he's throwing him the ball as often as he is. They had a they have another receiver on um, Buccaneers Humphreys who Humphreys. had a pretty solid game and I mean if we can get if he can get himself another wide receiver set up out there because Vincent Jackson was not doing it before his injury I know it's it's just a shame I love Vincent Jackson yeah. so much but I think Father Time's catching up with him too yeah so if they can get another wide receiver out there to compliment Evans and maybe kind of alleviate some of the pressure on Winston mm-hmm. we might see some. Uh, pick up in his number. Still, he's not having a terrible season at no. the quarterback position, but it could be better. It could be better. It could be better. Um, running backs for the Buccaneers. So Jaquiz Rogers has been playing great. He got into the end zone. He got a touchdown, but then he gets hurt. Yeah, he's been a walking boot. I heard so. I, you can expect he's not going to be playing the next. So game. They're, they're, are they playing the Thursday night? They're game? playing Thursday night in Tampa. They're playing the Falcons, man. So. I mean, I've heard that Anton or Antone, I don't know how you say his first name, Anton Smith, who has also, uh, you know, backed up Jaquiz Rogers in Atlanta with the Falcons. Like, these are both guys who are former Falcons. Um, right. The word on the street is that he's going to get the starting nod. Um, I mean, I certainly think if you're scrounging for uh, for running backs in your fantasy league, Anton Smith is someone to put a waiver claim in on, definitely. Um but uh, it, because this is this is a situation where Doug Martin's going to be gone for a while. You know, he tried yeah. to come back. He he hasn't felt healthy, and now, you know, there's no timetable for Doug Martin coming back. Jaquiz Rogers is out. Charles Sims on IR. I mean, Anton Smith might be having the he might be the man for several weeks coming up. I definitely think he's worth a pickup. Would you agree? It's it, it's a very interesting uh, situation here, just because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are committed to the run. They yeah. will run the football. It's not even a question of if they're behind, they'll still run the football, which is why we got such a nice sample size of Jaquiz Rogers before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, even that first start he had against the Panthers when he racked up 150 yards, it was kind of surprising. He got 30 carries. You know, so they definitely factor the run game into, you know, their offense. It's a balanced attack. So I... Honestly, if you're if you're hurting for running back, it's not it's not the worst pickup in the world to go after um, Antoine, whatever the hell his name is. What is it, Antoine? Antoine Anton Smith. Anton Smith, yeah, just because he's gonna get at least twenty carries. Yeah. And who knows? That Falcons defense is a little bit soft, they're a little squishy. They'll give up some yardage, and you you might get lucky. You might get eighty yards and a touchdown. Mm. And now I'm going to put a pin in that as well for running backs to pick up because we're going to come back to that in a couple of games as well. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about this game you want to move on? Uh, let's move on. I think that's it. Okay. The Seahawks lose on the road to the New Orleans Saints. This was certainly a head-scratcher. I think some people – you know, I, 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 
I think it's indicative of where the Seahawks are this season because they're not sort of this invincible juggernaut that they've been in years past, and they went into Drew Brees' house, and you know Drew Brees likes to throw eight touchdowns a game when he's playing in his dome. The thing I want to jump on first is the Mark Ingram-Tim Hightower situation. So Mark Ingram fumbles the ball early on. They bench him for the whole game, and they give Tim Hightower the rock, and Tim Hightower runs better than Mark Ingram. Granted, he had five red zone carries, which he couldn't get in, but still, he runs better than Mark Ingram. Do you think this is, like, like is this legit? Is Hightower the man, or are they just going to give Ingram the rock again and, and you know, he's the man for the rest of the season? What do you, what do you think about this situation? Okay, because this is something I have to look at head on because I have Mark Ingram, and definitely one of the reasons I lost this week against my, uh, my opponent, Fantasy. Mark Ingram... Basically, I think on his first carry, coughed up the rock. Yeah. And they took it back to the house for, for six points. Yes. And I think, I want to say, and I've, I've got my fingers crossed, that it was more of a statement kind of, you know, you don't value the football, you don't get to carry it. Mm-hmm. More of teaching him a lesson. Um, that being said, I do remember, I also had Ingram last year in fantasy, and when he got hurt toward the end of the year, Hightower came in and played really, really well in his stead. Hightower, if I recall, had a couple hundred yard games, which was something Ingram has trouble doing even Dude, on a weekly basis. Hightower won a few fantasy leagues for people last year, man. He won one for me last year, if I recall. I think I picked him up towards the end of the season, and he gave me a couple hundred yard games out of nowhere. So I happily took those. Uh, I would say, uh, who is this, who's their matchup for next week, actually? Uh... I will tell you right now. Don't go anywhere. Um, Just because, again, you got to play the Masters. I think you can expect um, Hightower is probably going to get. He's earned himself a few more carries. Just because he's, he's a hard-nosed runner, uh, you know, he, he's not afraid to go into the, the heart of a defense and, you know, grind it out. So he's going to get. He's going to get some carries. He might take some away from Ingram. But still, I still want to say Ingram's the guy he goes to in the red zone. Okay. Which is why I would still pick him as a starter over Hightower. Uh, next week, the New Orleans Saints go on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, man. Yeah. I Maybe think Ingram and Hightower are both worthy fantasy pickups for that matchup. Yeah, I think they're both going to see some time. Especially if Ingram struggles, Hightower's probably going to get some more carries. Now, uh, Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas, Willie Sneed, they all looked pretty tasty. I think they're going to be tasty next week against the Niners as well with Drew Brees. Do you agree? Absolutely. Can't go wrong. I think if you have either of uh, on your team, you can put them all as a flex. You're going to probably get yourself some, some good yardage, some good points out of them. Okay, so I'm definitely going to throw out there, I want to say go get Tim Hightower. I think he's at least worth having as a good stash, as a good handcuff for Ingram. And, you know, even next week against the Niners, he, like you said, he might have some fantasy value anyway simply because of that porous defense. And if anything goes wrong with Ingram, whether it's coaching decision or an injury situation, I think Hightower's waiting in the wings ready to bust out a few late-season 100-yard games. So I'm going to say stash him. What do you say? Absolutely. You play the matchups, and it's looking favorable right now for Hightower. Now we got to talk about the Seahawks. Okay, so... Uh, I'm concerned. Offensive, this is bad. So, okay, okay all right. Fan, listen, football wise, this is a good team. They do, listen, they're winning games. You know, they're not as good as they've been in the past, but, you know, Russell Wilson can figure out a way to win games. I think Christian Michael is running the ball really well. Clearly, the problems they have is the offensive line is terrible. Um, you know, 
Russell Wilson can work magic, but with a busted ankle and a busted knee and something else, whatever the hell else is busted with him this week and that crappy offensive line, there's only so much magic he can work. So from a fantasy standpoint, you know, I don't trust the wide receivers. I don't trust Doug Baldwin. I don't trust Tyler Lockett or Jermaine Curse or I mean, honestly, I'm I'm feeling a little dicey about Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham might be the only reliable receiver they've got. And then Russell Wilson. I'm, I think it's official that, I mean, I, I'm I'm out to lunch with this guy, man. I've checked out. I think he's droppable. I think from fantasy yeah. perspective, there's better options. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, this week, I've got a team with Russell Wilson, and I just put in a waiver claim for Dak Prescott, who's going to be playing the oh Cleveland Browns. Oh, my God, Tim, you're terrifying me right now. You literally just took everything I was about to say, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. No, please. I, I, have, I have Russell Wilson as a starter. On a fantasy team. Actually, I think I'm playing you this coming week. Oh, God. I'm not even sure. I don't even know if it's you. It can't be in the same league. It, it must not be the same league. <laughs> and, I, and I'm pretty sure I literally put in a waiver claim for Dak Prescott. And I think it's because Russell Wilson hasn't scored a touchdown, I think, in two weeks, maybe it, three weeks. I forget the numbers, but it's not been good lately. It has not been good. Good from a real football, bad from a fantasy football. Yeah, it's really bad. It's, I mean, I, I need some production. I've, I've looked for Mariota actually at some point just because Mariota's actually been solid. I'm yeah. like, I'll take anybody at this point who can throw a touchdown. I mean, dude, you know, Andy... Jameis Winston is not the worst. No, no. Jameis Winston, I think, Wilson. is a better option than Russell Wilson. Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins, all these guys have been putting up better numbers. I think I looked at a Kirk Cousins as well because, I mean, he's swinging right now. He's throwing yeah. it right now. It's, so. just, it's, it's just a shame he's on a bye. It's like anybody but Russell right now. Um, and to to finish up this little discussion of the Seahawks, uh, I the only real guy I trust on that offense right now, I mean, maybe Jimmy Graham, but really Christian Michael. Christian Michael's the only guy I'm really, I want to start every week on that Seahawks offense. And, you know, like maybe a little Jimmy Graham, but everyone else, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I can't trust any of those guys. It, it's it's fair. Um, I'm I still want to put my faith in Graham just because he's probably the one guy who can bail out a Russell Wilson every now and then. Mm-hmm. When Russell Wilson's playing well, Doug Baldwin is a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have seen we've seen both go down in tandem, and it's scary. I would tell you to hold on to Baldwin, maybe bench him until things kind of become a little clearer. But I would say if in a tight end option, Jimmy Graham's still a guy to go to. I actually started. Jimmy Graham this week, hoping he would kind of have a revenge game mm-hmm. against the Saints. And I benched um, Jordan Reed just because he was Ooh, coming back from injury. Yeah. And I was not sure. And I made a mistake, obviously, in that. But it, you know, it. It's fantasy, it man. Sometimes solid. you got to take it on the chin. <laughs> yeah, I just had to admit, I, I, I messed up on that one. I, I just didn't see it. Hey, man, I got a, I got another league with Jordan Reed, and I thought he still had a concussion. I benched him, and, you know, boy, did I, did, I regretted He's that decision. when he's healthy and he's playing, but it's it, it's too questionable now. He's had, I think, five concussions in his career. It's scary. Yeah, we'll I, I mean, I'm surprised he was out on the field. I, I honestly thought they were going to shut him down for the season. I just... Listen, they're learning new things about concussions every day. I've been listening to some podcasts and talk a lot about there's different types of concussions. Everything is a little different. It's not everybody gets the same treatment. Um, I, let's hope for the best for Mr. Reed, but uh, I definitely was a little annoyed I didn't start him. Absolutely. Uh, anything else to say from this game? You want to move on? Um, I think we can move on. Let's jump to the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Indianapolis Colts pretty convincingly. Um, the first thing I'll start us out with, because you talked a little bit about um, 
guys worth picking up. We talked about Anton Smith might be a great running back pickup. I think the number one waiver wire claim pickup for this week will be Sharkandrick West of the Kansas City Chiefs because Spencer Ware got a concussion and Jamal Charles was just put on IR because, big fucking surprise, his ACL is still busted. It's so crazy. And I'm pretty sure Alex Smith had a concussion in this game, too. Uh, Dude, it is weird. They're saying first he did, then he didn't, then he got one, then he didn't. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. it's crazy because he got hit. He had to leave because he was a little shaken up. He came back into the game after... Then he got um, hit again, and they were yeah, like, no, this time he actually does have a concussion. Yeah, and I, I, at this point, I had to throw my hands up and go, what the hell? I mean, they should have left him out of the game after that first hit because his backup did a pretty damn good job. Nick, was it Kevin, Nick Kevin Foles? Foles? Nick Foles? Oh, Nick Foles. Nick Foles. I'm trying to think. I'm like, I'm getting all the old Arizona the, uh, quarterbacks. The, the brilliant uh, year one Chip Kelly. I'm throwing seven touchdowns against the Oakland Raiders, Nick Foles. Nick Foles, you know what? Nick Foles looked right at home in that offense, and they let him throw the football. Yeah, they did. Like, uh, I, I think they probably, and you know what? Let's just say maybe Andy Reid probably pulled a card out of his pocket. So you know what? They'll never expect this. They'll never see this coming. And just let loose with the deep ball because, I mean, you know what? They lit them up. Little history lesson, man. Andy Reid was the one who drafted Nick Foles for the Eagles. Nick Foles so threw the, the face. he had Jeremy Macklin. Nick Foles used to throw the football to Jeremy Macklin in Philadelphia. Oh my God, you're right. He's, you're right. Oh dude, God. Dude. Of course, you're the Eagles fan here. I completely forgot that was the connection. Dude, Andy Reid. Andy Reid is getting the he's getting the band back together, man. He's like living a uh, second life. He just, he just took everything that was good from Philly and brought it with him. Dude, and you know, listen, he got run out of Philly, but the truth is, since he's been coaching the Chiefs. They're not winning Super Bowls, but every year they are tenacious and competitive. Yeah. I mean, he makes Alex have, Smith look good. There's no way you can disrespect a Chiefs team with Andy Reid behind that. No, man. Um, and I mean, it's not like he has the pieces. I mean, Alex Smith is an okay quarterback. He won't make mistakes. But at the same time, he's not scared of anybody. But still, this team comes out and they win games. Yeah. And you, they really – listen, if Alex Smith is concussed – you know, you got to. Th- they got to think about Nick Foles being under center for a couple of games. And honestly, the passing game might be better with Nick Foles. I, you know what? I'm doing like that whole like I'm stroking my chin and I'm really thinking about this. You got Nick Foles at quarterback. You got Sarkandrick West mm-hmm. at running back, who had a great season last yes, year. Yes, he as did. A Still have no idea how Ware took the job from him, but either way, doesn't matter. Go get him because he's going to be the man next week. And it's just holy crap. We might have a situation in our hands because the Chiefs might not miss a step, especially the defense is fine. No. Defense no. is still playing beastly. They could be just fine. This is a playoff team, and I think they're still a playoff team this year. I mean, the thing that I keep talking about is they're in the same division with the Broncos and the Raiders, who are six and two. We might have a situation where both wild card teams come out of that division. Absolutely. Um, let's. Uh, J- Travis Kelsey showed up again. Nick Foles arrives, and the passing game looked great. Jeremy Macklin finally got into the end zone, but I still. Jeremy Macklin's numbers from a fantasy standpoint have still been rather dicey. That's just something you got to be mindful of. Um, I still like Macklin as the number one option out there because they really, you know, again, this offense really kind of has a few moving parts. And if you're going to go with a wide receiver, I mean, you always go with the one number one guy on any team mm-hmm. just because they got to throw it to him at some point. Yeah. And Macklin's going to get his turns. He's definitely been falling down on my list a little bit. But getting that touchdown... And if Nick Foles is starting next week, I feel better about Macklin. I feel much better about Macklin. Things are looking bright, I think, at least for his fantasy options. Now let's talk about the Colts. They lost because they're bad. Um, 
I don't know how they ever win. Uh, actually, that's not true. Andrew Luck is the reason they ever win. Um, T.Y. Hilton was finally silenced in this game. T.Y. Hilton uh, came back down to earth. Dante Moncrief came back from injury and looked good. He looked real good. Moncrief, I I like Moncrief. I think I've put him in kind of the Quincy Newmark category, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where he's not going to blow you away, but there's going to be times where he's going to pick up the slack and he's going to have flashes, but it's not enough for me sometimes to really uh, kind of bank on him as my week-to-week guy. I would look more like maybe at a Jamison Crowder yeah. if he's out there um, you know, as a fantasy option to pick up, just because his numbers are a little more consistent. I agree with that. Moncrief. I agree with that, and... Um... You know, I would say at least keep an eye out for Moncrief this week just because there's so many teams on by. You know, this past yeah, week was, a good point. from fantasy, it was tricky because with so many teams on by, I mean, I had to start Brandon LaFell in one of my leagues. That tells, oh, you, how, man. tells you how thin Dude, things yeah, got. That made me, yeah, I see what you're saying. I was a little bit nervous. I, I would look and I'm like, all right, this guy's on the bench, this guy's on the bench. I have one slot open to pick someone up. Oh my gosh, who do I pick up? Yeah. It was a little bit nerve-wracking and uh in the waiver wire this week. Dude, we're going to have another week of it with six more teams on bye this week, so it's going to be a tough matchup to say the least. Uh, the thing I do like is Frank Gore. Frank Gore got into the end zone. You know, most pretty much all of the offense for the Colts struggled. I mean, the Chiefs D is good, and the Colts offense is amazing, but, you know, when they play a legitimate defense, even the Colts offense and Andrew Luck can struggle. But Frank Gore made his day worth it. Jack Doyle, the tight end, was Jack Doyle. He was a little I, I forgettable. I know you're a fan of Jack Doyle. I, dude, I started him in one of my leagues, and I, 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 I God, <laughs> I just he, he listen. He he can't be amazing every week, and this week he definitely came back down to earth. But I, I think I've learned, especially when fantasy options, to kind of stare away from wide receivers when they're playing the Chiefs. Just nothing, or just receivers in general, nothing good comes of it. Yeah, I think. Well, I think the Chiefs have the best one defender. Um. Marcus Peters. Uh, Marcus Peters is just, he's a vacuum. He just and he then, takes everything in. You know, you want to talk about the front seven. You know, they got, I mean, D Ford is looking better. You know, he's, he's essentially trying to stop the bleeding until Justin Houston comes back. Yeah, and, and they just, they're, they're, they're too good. And their secondary play is so smart, and I, it's really a big gamble. You're not going to get uh, a team that just racks up a ton of points on the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. You know, and even then, it's, it's kind of going to be unpredictable. It's not worth the risk. Um, anything else to take away from this game before we move on? Um, I think we're clear, buddy. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'll say one last thing. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, wide receiver for the Chiefs. He yes. is, he's starting to become a real option. Like you gotta, you gotta have him on your radar. I think he's worth a stash. He's had a couple, he, he's a little bit of a boomer bust. He's a home run hitter. You know, he's super fast. He's just he's, he's lightning in a bottle. I definitely would put him on the watch list. I I kind of need to go back and look at his stats. Yeah, the last couple weeks, but he's definitely been um he's been trending up. Like he's definitely been trending upward. I don't know if I'm sold yet, but I'm he's on my radar. Um, next next game on the docket. Let's go to the Arizona Cardinals losing to the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers finally showed up and played a decent game, and I think it's because they actually just decided to run the go- the ball and play great defense. Jonathan Stewart, 25 carries, 95 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, was all over the place. The Panthers had a defensive touchdown. I mean, they came out and they pretty much won this game in the first half, and then the Panthers and then the Cardinals had a bunch of garbage time scoring. Um, what were some of your takeaways from this game, Shaka? Man, you talk about the raised eyebrows. I um, I, I remember. I, I think 
I think my girlfriend's trying to pick between Mariota and uh, Carson Palmer to start this week. And I looked and I said, hey, you know what? It's the Panthers' defense. They're pretty much they're just handing out touchdowns, like yeah. you know. And you know what I say? Samples of, <laughs> Panthers, uh, you know, Panthers suck. <laughs> the Panthers suck. Yeah, and, you know, it was like handing out touchdowns like the cheese samples at the supermarket. I was like, you, you go with Carson Palmer. He's gonna score, and he did. Yeah, he eventually redeemed himself. But man, at the beginning, that was bleak. I think they were up twenty nothing, and I was like, this is. It was it was thing, ugly. This thing's going to hell. I mean, he had a lot of garbage time. Listen, he still threw three hundred some odd, three hundred sixty three passing yards and three touchdowns. I mean, it was garbage time scoring. But yeah, I mean, he did score in the end. But I mean, this Panthers team they needed a win, and that that game it was clear no one was going to get in their way. I mean, they shut down they David Johnson. Yeah, they were out of that game immediately. Yeah, David Johnson had like ten carries for twenty four yards, but I mean. The Cardinals abandoned the run game. And David Johnson got a lot of work in the passing game. You saw a lot of short dink and dunk. You saw, you know, Larry jo- Larry Fitzgerald had something like 10 or 11 catches and 75 receiving yards. Like, it was, you know, they couldn't do anything against that Panthers uh, pass rush. It's great for your fantasy day when, uh, when your starting quarterback uh, kind of goes down big. Because, I mean, it's no choice. It means he has to throw the football to get back into it. Which yeah. is why I think... I would say, like, a Drew Brees is you have to start him every week no matter who they're playing just because they're going to be playing from behind probably at some point. Yeah, and that, you know. I mean, that fits right in from a fantasy perspective at least. But to look at the Cardinals as a team right now, uh, it's it's scary. You you know, again, those garbage numbers, you know, the garbage points, just it's it's scary. The Cardinals just do not look the way they did last year. No, Not they even don't. remotely close. No, they don't. And, you know, this is a team that I think was – this is a team that was primed to make a Super Bowl run. I mean, they traded for Chandler Jones. You know, every, they had this amazing aerial attack from last season. They just have not been able to get it going. I mean – the thing that I really count on with this team is David Johnson and, and Larry Fitzgerald. I don't even know how confident I feel about Carson Palmer every week. He's really matchup-based. Uh, you know, if he's got a tough matchup, I don't feel comfortable starting him. He once upon a time was, you know, matchup-proof, and you're absolutely right. Now you play to the matchups because if they have a good secondary or their pass rush is going to give trouble, you know, he looks mortal again, yeah. which is kind of scary. I can't trust him on that end. Jonathan Stewart, it took him half the season, but he finally did what I wanted him to do. I drafted him to be a stud running back. Hopefully the Panthers stick to this game, try to protect Cam Newton from getting 8,000 concussions every single game. Keep feeding the rock I'm to so Jonathan Stewart. You that. I think that's really what it boils down to. Is I think after that little concussion scare they've had, they're really playing it smart in the red zone and yeah. they're not taking any chances with the quarterback. Just- Give it to Jonathan Stewart, man. You got Cameronitis Payne. You got Jonathan Stewart. You got Fozzie Whitaker. These guys will will push the pile. He's, he's a goddamn savage. Uh, he should be getting that football. Anyway, he had a great game. He had two touchdowns. I mean, he just, he, he's a rumbler. You let him play. You let him get those red zone opportunities. I mean, Cam is absolutely a stud, yes. But, you know, even he's complaining about the hits. Yeah. Eventually, they're going to take their toll. He can only be Superman for so long. And the one th- and the one part of the offense that really suffered was the passing game because they were running it so much. Greg Olson did very little. One catch for 11 yards. Kelvin Benjamin still managed to salvage his day. I think he had like 70 or 80 yards for, you know, he had like 10 or 11 points in PPR. But, you know, they were quiet because it was clear the Panthers were running the ball. But they yeah, needed to do that. Early. They needed to get that win. I mean, 
I feel more positive about Jonathan Stewart as a starting running back. I, and also because now that he's healthy, I, I think he's better than all the other running backs that the Panthers have. I mean, even even better than Cam Newton. You know, Cam Newton's a special runner himself, but Jonathan Stewart, I mean, that guy's a bruiser. You said it. Stewart's stock has definitely went up. I wouldn't say it's in the Melvin Gordon kind of no, category no, no. yet. No, not that. Just, I mean, very viable in terms of putting points in the board. Because the Panthers are going to score it. They, they're not a good football team all around, but they still have the potential to put up points in a yeah. hurry. Yeah, and this is, listen, do not ever forget the fact. This is the same team that went to the Super Bowl last year. I mean, they've got yeah. some... They've got some wounded animal tenacity in them. Okay, that at any given time you get it, you catch them on the wrong day, they're going to take you out. I remember there were games last year. They, I mean, we last year we loved their defense, but even then there were games last year where they got lit up. They yes. won, but they were like scores were you know in the thirties. They won, but they were still you know they would. They were fighting they were still fighting and clawing for it. I mean, I remember that game, that one loss they had to the Falcons. I mean, you know, the Falcons had their number and they took advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, you got to really put these guys on the ropes if you really, you know, want to go for it. They're, again, they're not a good football team, but they're, you know, they're going to put up points. So they're still, their whole squad is still viable fantasy options, and I'm glad Jonathan Stewart's finally paying off. Dude, finally. I need him on one of my teams. Um, you want to get away from this game? Yes, please. Uh, London game. Washington Redskins and the Cincinnati Bengals finish in a 27-27 tie. We have for the second straight week a tie. Um, My first take from this game, which I want to throw at you, is that Tyler Eifert is back and he looks great. What are your thoughts on Tyler Eifert? Uh, dude, it really showed instantly in the passing game. I, I think Andy Dalton probably got gone and just took a silent knee and just Thank whatever higher power he believes in. Dude. That he has another viable option that they to throw to. Thanking his lucky stars, man, because Tyler Eifert, you, you saw his effect on the offense almost immediately. It, it was it was unfortunate that still, they still, you know what, actually that plays into what you said about Brandon LaFell. Because you would think it would open up the passing game a little bit more for him to get a kind of, you know, a shine. But really, uh, I think this hurt... Um, AJ Green a little bit more than anything else because he was the only person Dalton could really throw to consistently. So it wasn't that big. It wasn't that detrimental this week. But um, we'll see down the road. AJ Green is just not going to be the every single you know down the field target mm-hmm. for Andy Dalton now. I mean, listen. At least for for their sake, that's good because they need to win some some meaningful games. And at least having more of a passing option is going to open up this passing game for them. It also opens up the running game. You saw Jeremy Hill got a touchdown. Yes. You saw Giovanni Bernard got a touchdown. Uh, I mean, much needed. Combined, this... combined, they make one pretty damn good running back that game. I think there's numbers. <laughs> I agree, man. That that they've got a good run game, and you know, both the Bengals and the Redskins have got some 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 tricky defenses. Defenses which should be good or should be better than they are, but still manage to make some bonehead plays that sort of give up the game. And I mean, I think that's why the game finished the way it did. You know, both of these teams were able to put together some really nice drives, and then the defense would make some type of a boneheaded play that would just sort of let the drive keep going and they would get into the end zone. Um, right, right. I think, yeah, it, it showed. I, I was so surprised at the end of the game when it got to overtime, and all of a sudden they both looked like they ran out of gas. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, again, you had a short field goal. The Redskins kicker shanked like a 30-yard field goal right when he could have won the game. Uh, now, to talk a little bit about the Redskins, let me talk uh, – so 
Jamison Crowder, is he better than Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon? Because right now, I feel like the guy who is getting the most work and the most consistent numbers, even Jamison Crowder has been inconsistent, but if you consider him amongst all three of those wide receivers, I think he might be the most consistent and maybe the most valuable of all three of them. What do you think of that, Shaka? Well, it's been weird. I've I, honestly, I've had Jameson Crowder on my watch list since week one. He had a big week one. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he didn't so much fall to earth as he kind of had like a, a tough game, and then he had put up a decent game, and then he had a big game, and mm-hmm. then he was kind of quiet again. I think the last three weeks, he's actually put up really solid numbers. Yeah. And that was what kind of was the turning point for me. And like I said before, I was like, I had that that bye week kind of situation where I was like, damn, everyone's on a bye. Yep. And I just need one good wide receiver to put in the flex. So I, I kind of went out on a limb, and I just said Jameson Crowder has to have a good game because Jordan Reed is back. Right. You know, so it, it was it was a gamble, it was a total gamble, and I'm glad it paid off because I think all my other choices for that week were shit. But uh, <laughs> the Jameson Crowder, the Jameson Crowder guest paid off big time because he had a great game. I'm thinking this might be real, man, because Deshaun Jackson, listen, I love him. I'm a big Eagles fan. I love Deshaun Jackson, but I think he's a ver- very much a home run hitter. He's a boomer bust guy, especially in fantasy. He got, I don't know if he got a concussion, but either way, he got hurt and had to leave the game. And then Pierre Garçon's a little bit more of a possession guy. He's a little bit more of a yeah. slot guy. Jamison Crowder, I think, has been, I think Kirk Cousins is trusting him a little bit more. And I just find the opportunities that where they're going to throw deep or they're going to need that first down. Kirk Cousins, I think, has been looking Crowder's way more so that he's been looking to Sean Jackson and Pierre Garçon. And those two guys, they both got great name recognition. But after this season, both of their contracts are up. So I'm thinking that maybe we're seeing Jamison Crowder starting to prime himself to become the number one receiver on this team. Uh, That's... It's disappointing that Deshaun Jackson, especially in a contract, yeah, you're right, he absolutely is a home run threat. And Kirk Cousins can throw the ball deep. I just don't understand. One, I think he's just an undisciplined wide receiver. He plays on pure talent. Mm -hmm. He doesn't run, like, clean routes like you would look at, like, an Antonio Brown or someone like that. So, Mm -hmm. like, Antonio Brown's not the biggest guy on earth, but he runs his routes precisely. He runs them perfectly. And is why his value is so high as a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Jackson, no question, has the speed and he's got the talent. He just doesn't have the focus. And I think, honestly, it's going to hurt his wallet come free agency this year. Dude, you called it, man. You called it. Um, I, uh, it's such a waste. It really is. I think It's disappointing. He was, in, he was in Philadelphia. I mean, he he succeeded on pure talent. He let it get to his head. It made him cocky. And he ran off and took that big money from uh, Washington. He has not earned a single dime of it. I mean, he's had a couple. Well, the only times he's earned it is the is the few times he's come back to Philadelphia and beaten the Eagles. I think in some in, <laughs> in some circles that might be the only. It's like that's that's all we wanted. You know what? The money was worth it just if you beat a divisional rival. Right. Uh, it's, it, it really, it's a shame. I, I, I every time I see him, I look and I go, man, you could you should just be like a top ten fantasy option every year because you you should be able to do everything. I look at it almost like I looked at. Ted Ginn Jr. Yeah. When he yeah. came into the league. Ted like, Ginn should have been Like, this guy star. should be able to do everything. What is the problem? Exactly. Exactly. Um, the last thing I'll mention before we get away from this game is uh, Robert Kelly had to start because Matt Jones did not start. Robert Kelly looked good. He got a touchdown, got into the end zone. Um, and I guess my question for you is, Shaka, does Matt Jones come and take his starting running back job back from Robert Kelly when Matt Jones is healthy? 
I honestly was looking more at Chris Thompson kind of getting a chance to start and and really uh, showcase himself because I, I like what Thompson brought to the table, but he just did not get the chance to start. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, you um, know, I think I think they like Thompson in the role that he's in. I think that it's very clear that Matt Jones is the starter, Thompson's the third down passing catch, uh, passing down back. And I think that when Jones got hurt, they were like, all right, we're going to make Kelly the starter and we're going to keep Thompson in the role that he's at. I think they like him there. Um, it worked. I mean, it, honestly, the they, they, they running game's always been pretty solid. I think Matt Jones will get his job back. I don't know the extent of his injury. We know Jones has a history with fumbling the football. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he's still such a tough He's such a tough runner. He's such a bruiser. And, you know, he gets a lot of yardage after after first contact, so I think they're probably going to lean towards him. Um, unless, you know, he's not healthy enough to go and Kelly gets another audition to kind of take that starting job away. Well, I, I think we might... They're going into a bye week. They're going to be on bye this week. They'll come back next week. There's a chance that Matt Jones is going to sit again. I would say go get Robert Kelly, at least stash him, see how he performs. Yeah. At the Listen, in two weeks, you know, it might be worth starting Robert Kelly if you know he's going to be coming back and Matt Jones is going to be benched uh, or at least uh, is still recovering from his injury. That's something you got to keep him on your radar because, listen, one thing happens to Matt Jones. If he stays, if he's done for the year, if he gets put on IR, Robert Kelly's the guy yeah, to have. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I didn't realize that they were on a bye, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, you can stash him now, and if the injury report changes later, you can always drop him. But uh, it, it's a good investment to kind of make down the road have a just an extra you know potential number one running back on your team i uh i agree man i agree i think uh you gotta gotta keep your eye out for that um you want to move on anything else no that's it uh next up san diego chargers lose on the road to the denver broncos not a particularly large surprise there i think the broncos wanted to give them a little payback after uh the chargers stole a game from them um the Denver Broncos defense is still pretty darn good, but pretty their good. their offense and specifically their running game is a little dicey at this point in time. Any thoughts that you have on this game or, or actually on the Broncos offense? Well, uh, this guy's name is C.J. Booker? Uh, uh, Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker, uh, I... I missed, I missed it by like 45 minutes, uh, the announcement that C.J. Anderson was going to have. Uh, oh, yeah. So I, I scrambled, and by that time, it had already been scooped up in, I think, the two leagues I was playing, and I was like, oh, God damn it, of course. Of course, everyone's reading their sports. I, 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 had I, the I had the same feeling. I had the same feeling. I was knee-deep in work, and by the time I got up and I went to take a break, and I looked, and I said, are you kidding me? And you're looking, and you um, see on every single league, you just see the top thing is like, so-and-so added Devontae Booker. You're like, Fuck. Yeah, so you know something. Something's off. You missed. You missed some key news. Um, but yeah, I think they'll be okay with Booker. I like him, and even in the the time that he's only gotten, uh, you know, partial carries. I mean, and uh, Anderson was healthy. He looks good. He, he, he looks, looks good. He's made a few rookie mistakes. Like he had a fumble in this game. He got yeah. stuffed on the goal line. I think I'm gonna look right now. There's a chance he might have a concussion. So oh, really? Wow. So let's discuss this right now because let's just say for argument's sake he's got a concussion and he's not going to play. Now we have to have the discussion who the hell's going to be running the ball for the Denver Broncos because this is a team with Trevor Simeon under center. Listen, Simeon has had flashes where he's looked good, but they're relying heavily on this running game and CJ Anderson was a big part of it. So now yes. CJ Anderson, Devontae Booker, let's say they're both down. We're talking Jawan Thompson. 
we're talking uh, what is that uh, capri bibs or bribs whatever the hell that guy's name i'm looking it up right now but uh, first takes off of what this running game for the broncos like what are you thinking of this right even if there is a starter are you going to trust that starter I bet they really wished they'd held on to Ronnie Hillman right now. Dude, Ronnie but Hillman, man. I saw him running for the Vikings last night. Yeah, he finally got some burn. I had him I had picked him up early in um the uh the watch list earlier when he got signed and I, I eventually dropped him just because I was like, There's nothing happening and then I looked yeah. last night and I was like, They let him play? They they finally but, let him uh, play. But I, the the Broncos running situation's gone from from this rough to like full like, you know, panic mode right now because yeah you're right Simeon's not looked great he didn't have an amazing game uh against the Chargers but he's he's gonna need some help and now's not the time for it to guys to be dropping left and right around him yeah I am um, okay I'm, I'm looking it up apparently it says Devontae Booker got a little he got he took a hard hit he's sore but he should be fine so at least he'll be starting next week okay I, it remains to be seen um I think though it's regardless I think Simeon's gonna probably be be tested a little bit more. He's going to be called, you know, to really uh, to pick up things now that Anderson's hurt. And, you know, the running game was, I think, tempering and kind of helping Simeon ease into a comfort level in that offense. And now he's really going to have to kind of not necessarily be on his own, but Devontae Booker is still kind of an unknown in terms of yeah. uh, is he going to be the man for the rest of the year. I mean, this is a real yeah. this is a real opportunity for Trevor. Trevor Simeon has got to shoulder more of the offense now. That's what's up. Yeah. And yeah, he's listen, he's still and you know, I, I voiced my doubt about this earlier in the season, but you know, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas have value with Trevor Simeon under center. He still gets them the ball. They might not get a touchdown every week, but they get work. They had some they had some great catches uh this past week against the Chargers. Uh, they they can still do it. Yeah. I think uh I think if anything, if Devontae Booker is not gonna pan out, I think you'll see the Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Demaris Thomas's their values go up. Mm, mm. You know, some more targets for each of them. Uh, let's talk about this Chargers team. So, listen, with all the excitement the Chargers have had, they've been up, they've been down, they lost this one. Um, I think they had a chance to sort of threaten. Uh, you know, it, towards the end of the, you know, it, you know, there was a point in this game where it was close. Uh, Melvin Gordon, I thought, looked great. You know, even yeah. in the losing effort, he still had a hundred yards rushing. Um, you know, he was still impressive. Phillip Rivers, man, it got a little trigger happy, though. He threw some touchdowns, but, man, there was a pick six in there. There was a couple of ugly interceptions. I mean, there were pick sixes on both sides of the ball. Again, you know, you know what? to hype up that Chargers D, man. Chargers D is looking better. Chargers D looks great. I will say in the defense of both quarterbacks, I've never seen that many tipped pass interceptions in yeah. a game before. Yeah. I think all the interceptions in this one were tipped balls, which is which crazy. I mean, it gave the defenders so much time to kind of recognize – and adjust. So I, I think in that regard, I Philip Rivers got he had a rough, and I think he had three interceptions. You know, and and so, that's uh, that says a lot about the defenses. This was a game which I think you know featured the Broncos D, and now the Chargers D. We can't really talk about the Chargers D being bad anymore. I mean, they've put no, together they put together a swing, and and now I'm going to officially say this: we're at a point. We are midway through the season, 
And as you and I have discussed, every like four weeks of the season, you need to take like another sort of, you need to step back and look at the landscape because things have changed so much, okay? The Minnesota Vikings aren't as good as they were at the beginning of the season. Neither are the Eagles. The Cowboys are better than they were at the beginning of the season. You know, like the Chargers are better than they were. Like things have shifted. And one of the big shifts is Joey Bosa and that Chargers D is not to be fucked with. And you've got to consider that whoever they're playing. Absolutely. They, uh, I mean, he, he brings such a different energy, and I think he's almost like a, just like a gladiator. He's leading the charge, and as soon as he makes it through the breach, I think everyone else just comes kind of raging behind him. He's, he had Simeon kind of shaking in his boots. And I think the lineman, too, also just, he, he's so aggressive, mm-hmm. he just don't know what to do mm-hmm. when he, uh, he comes at him. So, I, I mean, he definitely changes... He's almost uh, Sean Merriman in a way, just in terms of like, you know, just coming in and just making everything completely unstable. Yeah, it's it's about time because that defense has been needing a a reincarnation of Sean Merriman in some capacity. Um, It's a good look. I'm I'm really like, actually, it's fun to watch a Chargers game. It's been a while. And Melvin Gordon is not LaDainian Tomlinson in any way, but he's really picked up his play this year and he's, he's got so much more value dude thank so there God. are some flashes he was so disappointing last year good good for him that he's bouncing back um the last thing i'll mention before we get away is uh you know philip rivers had a tough game and it's tough to trust those wide receivers tyrell williams came back down to earth oh, God. dontrell inman kind of came out i mean all of them kind of came back down to earth uh the one thing i will mention is that hunter henry has sort of fallen back behind antonio gates again so it's it's weird. I think they're. I don't want to say they're going with a two tight end set, uh, but they're they're giving both of them equal play. I think they're giving defenses different looks because Hunter Henry. I think his uh, he he's caught the attention of some of the defensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. So they're playing more because I mean at some points in other games he was running just he was wide open. Yeah, you know, and I think they're 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 playing more to um to keying in on him. And Antonio Gates got a touchdown in this game. Yeah, but I think it was just more to kind of. Uh, they're just giving defenses different looks. Hunt Henry's still got value. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd tell you if he's, you know, the number one tight end you should go with uh, week to week just because I think the Chargers' offense is kind of, uh, it's it's changing its, you know, it, it's changing its colors just to kind of uh, throw defenses off. And you're playing the Broncos, you have to give them something different. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was much more uh, a product of the Broncos' D changing it up. In a situation like that, Phillip Rivers just getting the ball to whoever he can get it to. I think you're absolutely right, though. Uh, man, I went with Tyrell Williams, just kind of hoping for Oof. for another big game. And man, did he lay up? He, I think he had one catch for like eight yards. Yeah, it was, like it, was it was, it was not eight. even. It was, it was a nothing. It was, it was for all intents and purposes. It was, it was a half-eaten donut. I'm gonna be mad now just because I know I'm gonna drop him on the waiver wire tonight, and next week he's gonna have 12 catches for like 114 yards or something like that. I just know it's gonna happen. Dude, that's how it works. That's a, that, that is fantasy football in a fucking nutshell. It's just the Chargers in general. Like Dontrell Inman, all of a sudden shows up one week, and the next he Dude, goes out for a burger during the game. I want to have nothing nothing to do with Dontrell Inman, man. He can have as many touchdowns as he wants. I know whenever I start him, it's he's not gonna do it. I think I'm gonna go to the rule. Just no charges, receivers, no matter what the stat line looks like, week to week. Okay. Stay away. I I think that's everybody. Heads up, no charges, receivers, unless you're looking at the stat line week to week. Philip Rivers, he's the only one to trust. Um, let's get away from this game. Let's jump to. We're almost done. Uh, we've got a couple more games on the docket. Detroit Lions lose on the road to the Houston Texans. How do the Houston Texans continue to win, Shaka? 
I wish I could tell you because Lamar Miller did not have an amazing game. Nope. Um, Brock Osweiler didn't really have an amazing game. I think the defense nope. really... Nope. Brock Osweiler still looks like shit. Yeah, he. I mean, honestly, at this point, I, I don't want to call him a bust, but I'm. this season for him is going to be one just to kind of go back and learn and look and just see what he did wrong. But don't I, I was, don't, don't I tell the whole, Houston Texans about that. Osweiler's a wash at this point. Don't tell the Houston Texans about that. I mean, it's $72 million, you know, and it's kind of an iffy situation. It doesn't look any better than it did last year. Dude, that money is going right into real estate investment for Brock Osweiler. Still, the defense, the, the Texas the, defense is legit. That's, uh, that's where they win. He had a pretty solid, you yep. know, just, he kept Stafford, and man, what a distance. I thought Stafford was going to have a pretty solid game. Yep. I think I actually went, I think I was actually saying Lions would surprise in this one, and boy, was I wrong. The, the, the defense for the Texans showed up once again and really just took everyone off their paces. Yep. You know, that's the thing. I've, I've listened to a lot of uh, podcasts and articles talking about, uh, you know, how great Matthew Stafford is and how much he came back down to earth after this game. I think we cannot deny the fact that for whatever we say about the Houston Texans, they've got a pretty tenacious defense, even without J.J. Watt. And going into Houston is hard. It, it, the Texans play very well at home. They're 5-0 and at home. All of their wins have been at home. I mean... You can't when you start seeing something like that. You can't sneeze at that. The other thing I want to mention: C.J. Fedorowicz, this tight end. So, considering the fact that Brock Osweiler can't throw the ball to anybody, Will Fuller has disappeared. DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I'm ready to call him droppable. I mean, he's right up there with like Jeremy Macklin, number you know Terrence Williams, Sterling Shepard type numbers right now. So the only guy who legitimately Brock Osweiler feels comfortable throwing the ball to is his tight end, C.J. Fedorowicz. He is the checkdown master. I feel like he's had a touchdown in four of the last five games. I mean, that's the guy worth having. I think he got a concussion, though. Actually. Oh God! Don't you tell me! Game. Don't don't you dare tease me concussion. like that. Let me let me hold my tongue. I don't think it was a concussion, but I think Fedorowicz got hurt in this game. I don't know if he's out next week, but he definitely. I think he he got to pull out of the game for injury. I think. That, You're right. He has been pretty much the one consistent target that Osweiler has been able to connect to. I, I that's the only consistent target. Lamar Miller, I think, is you know, I think Lamar Miller is good. I think he's just also suffering from that same inept offense. I think you're right. He's a product of whatever kind of just just tape or like just I don't know what it is. There's just a bad cloud over that offense, and I don't think it's all Miller. He's still got he's still got the goods. It's just not. It's not panning together right now. Yeah, yeah. I um, uh, To talk a little bit more about the Lions, you know, I think now we need to talk about how Golden Tate has kind of... Golden Tate's kind of reestablished himself as the number one ahead of Marvin Jones. Because after I all... Like the, I like the kind of the, the, the battle. I'm going to disagree slightly. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you're far off, though. I think just Golden Tate, I think really it boils down to no one really appreciates how friggin' good of a receiver he is. Mm. And I think even when he wasn't... When he was in... Uh, He's in Seattle. Am I thinking right? No, you're right. You're Seattle. right. I mean, in Seattle, he had moments like this where he had some big friggin' games. But, uh, you know, I think he's kind of come back into his own again out here in Detroit. But I think still, I think Marvin Jones is still the big threat on that team. Okay, okay. Marvin Jones. I, do, I love Tate. It's one of the reasons why I was really surprised that they went down to the Texas. I thought they had enough firepower 
to go in there and really shake things up, and they just didn't do it. I mean, I think the Texans had a pretty good game plan. They figured out a way to sl- they they disrupted Stafford's timing. They figured out a way to kind of you know limit. Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones been limited in a couple of games. The guys who really got some good work were Theo Riddick came back and looked great, and uh, Eric Ebron came back and looked great. Those guys are are pretty solid fantasy pickups, and you know both of them had been out. I would say you got you got to put them back on your radar. Eric Ebron had some good numbers. Theo Riddick looked awesome. Ebron's always been a good um, red zone threat, and he's always been just a good uh, kind of check down relief. For Stafford, he's just again another concussion-prone kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. always week to week. But uh, dude, Theo Riddick's the man, dude. Now that he came back, Justin Forsett wasn't in the mix at all. Zach Zenner barely got a couple of carries. I mean, Theo Riddick is where it's at. So he's a solid pickup. So if he's if he's still out on your waiver wire, I'd say go get him because you, I hope not. I mean, I would hope he would be on somebody's roster. But I mean, Theo Riddick, I think is worth a definitely worth a pickup. Absolutely, Riddick. I think now that Amir Abdul is, you know, pretty much done, that he's he solidified that starting job. He's earned it. Um, anything else to say from this game, or you want to move on? Uh, man, I just I I, I can't really. I, I need to sit down and go over some more of just why Osweiler is not working. He yeah. has all the potential, but he doesn't throw it down the field. That's a problem. It, and he has the arm. He can do it. I don't know if he's got as much of a Jay Cutler laser beam of an arm, but, you know, that's really what's hurting them because they've got a Braxton Miller, they got Will Foley, you got DeAndre Hopkins, you got guys who can catch the ball deep, and yeah. it's not happening. I, I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. Maybe the offensive uh, coordinator. It's very possible he's just afraid yeah. to take shots. Yeah, and, and I mean, listen, this could be another team that'll benefit from firing their offensive coordinator midseason, or at least at the Probably. end of the season, something. I mean, it's going to become an even cloudier discussion if they do, in fact, win the division and go to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, they. I mean, it, we're going to, they're going to be under. They're already under the microscope as it is. But man, if they if they go to the playoffs and they don't have it together at that point, there's going to be there's going to be some shakeups. No, I agree. Uh, you want to get away from this game? Yeah, I think we're done here. Monday night football. Chicago Bears upset the Minnesota Vikings at Soldier Field, shocking the world on Halloween night, or really just me. Uh, I <laughs> My number one takeaway, which is the same takeaway I had last week for the Vikings against the Eagles, their offensive line sucks. And I think what I learned, Shaka, um, I think this Vikings offense is bad. Oh, wow. You know what? I think it's bad. I think you're right. Yeah. I think, you know what? The Bears defense is pretty solid. Yep. But really, man, I, I and I, I don't I don't want to take credit for I don't remember who it was, but I think someone called uh our boy uh Twinkle Toes because when he got up to the pocket he had these kind of just phantom looks where he thought there was a defender coming up on a pass rush and his feet would kind of scramble like he was gonna go running, and he just completely lost track of all his receivers. You talking about uh, so, Sammy Bradford? Sam Bradford, yeah. They called someone called him Twinkle Toes, and it made me laugh out loud because <laughs> the minute I heard the name, I knew exactly what they were talking about. Just the way his feet move, I I'll have to send you the video of one in particular where he his feet he just kind of burst into the scramble, but his feet look exactly like the, the, the what you think of Twinkle Toes. I, uh, I want to see that now because it seems very fitting of Sam Bradford. I think that we are seeing this Vikings offense come back down to earth. I think, number one, their offensive line's bad. They've got injury, and, and you know, they were poor to begin with. Then they had injuries, which has made them even poorer. I think that 
Sam Bradford was groomed very heavily to be prepared for the first couple of weeks of the season. Now he's getting more comfortable in the offense, but there's enough tape on him now and defensive coordinators are starting to scheme against him. They're screwing up his timing and you add on the fact that Adrian Peterson is gone. This running game sucks. Jarek McKinnon, I didn't even see him last night. I saw Ronnie Hillman, man. Ronnie Hillman. I think, Matt, I think uh, McKinnon had a walking boot for most of the weekend. He was kind of a yeah. touch and go with whether he was going to play. Matt Asiata had an okay game, but at that point, I mean, the, the Bears had already kind of taken him out of their rhythm. They had no yeah. choice but to run the football to kind of keep Bradford from uh, – from breaking down in the pocket, he really did not have so much time to throw. And until toward the end of the game where they were feeling a little bit more like they had to take a risk. Dude, I mean, Ronnie Hillman, that's all I want to say. He was the guy who came out and actually played. He looked okay, but the whole offense was bad. I mean, Stephon Diggs got into the mix finally because Sam Bradford finally had to throw the ball. You know, he got a garbage-time yeah. touchdown to Stephon Diggs at the end of the game, which made his day worth it. But, You're you know, right. They didn't have a choice but to throw the football at that point. Yeah, and, and, and Kyle Rudolph, who was really solid the first uh, couple of weeks of the season. Again, Sam Bradford using that comfort blanket of the tight end – you know, now all of that's unraveling. You know, the offense is really coming apart at the seams. And then you got to look at their defense to shoulder the burden, and they're starting to get injured on defense. There's a guy, Sendejo, who didn't play last night. His backup was the guy who got burned for 69 yards when Jordan Howard ripped off a 69-yard run, like on the second play from scrimmage. And Jordan Howard's not exactly the fastest guy on earth. I wouldn't, you wouldn't take me enough money to be able to tackle him, period, but he's not a burner. Dude. Still, he, 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 he got 70 yards on a play on you. Dude, we got to talk about how the Vikings are not as good as we thought they were. I used to say the Vikings defense was a solid play in fantasy. I don't feel that way now because that Vikings defense, that was the first week where they actually had negative points. There's definitely some caution signs going off. I, I, I'm really curious to see how they bounce back from this because the Bears... You know what? The Bears are Ugh. bad. Who 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 just? Minute, I'm gonna take a minute and just give Jake Cutler his due credit. Go ahead. The offensive line played well for him. I let's also give credit to that mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears offensive line because mm-hmm. Cutler only got sacked once. I think I think Sam Bradford maybe got six. He got sacked six or seven times. I think even eight times actually. This game, he 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 got dude. He got hit a lot. They were if he wasn't getting hit, he was getting pressured. And I think, yeah, uh, Jay Cutler had plenty of time to stand in the pocket and throw. He only, I think he finally got sacked in the third or fourth quarter. I lost some of this game. He was pretty much untouched the first half. Yeah. Plenty of time to throw. And I looked at an interesting number. What was it? When the Bears scored 20 points or when they keep opponents under 20 points or at 20 points exactly, uh, Jay Cutler is 46-8. and eight, What? Which is a crazy number. I think it's 47-8 and eight now. But if they keep opponents to 20 points only – he puts up just enough that he can get his team over the hump, which is a crazy stat. That, that um, is I, a very crazy stat. I can't believe that's a Jay Cutler stat. 46 and 8 is crazy. Dude, the, but, what, um, what I'm going to say, more of an indictment of this Vikings defense was how much the Bears were able to move the ball. I mean, they were running yeah. the ball on them. Jordan Howard had like 200 yards from scrimmage and 150 rushing yards. And I think. Let me throw out there the fact that Jeremy Langford, remember Jeremy Langford, the starting running back at the top of the season who got hurt and then Jordan Howard took his job? Jeremy Langford's back. He was in the game last night, and you know what? He ain't getting his starting job back. <laughs> I think he had two carries, if even. He had two carries. Dude, and they were just like, get the hell out of there. Get Howard back in the game. Get the rookie out there. 
I think if I think before halftime, Jordan Car- Jordan Howard had nine carries for like 106 yards. Oh my god! You want to talk about and, gaudy numbers? And at that point, he only—I think he ended the game with about 20 something carries. But that was basically to just physically pound and dominate and run the clock out. They couldn't even get oh, towards the two minute warning. They couldn't even get him down. They couldn't get him in short yardage because of the six yards, four no. yards, ten yards. No. They finally had to call timeouts until they had none left. Gouging them. Gouging them. Jordan Howard killed them. He got into the end zone. He was getting active in the passing game. I mean, he's a talent, man. And then you throw in Jay Cutler. It's like, listen, I don't think they're going to go on a roll, but, I mean, there's some offensive weapons there, which is just another indictment of how bad the – Bears have been, considering they have so many weapons. I mean, Alshon, Alshon Jeffrey finally got into the end zone. He got a nice touchdown. I like him. God bless Alshon Jay Jeffrey Cutler for coming a, back. He's a jump ball guy, Alshon Jeffrey. I don't think he's he's not in the same league as a Demarius Thomas or, you know, when DeAndre Hopkins actually has a quarterback to throw to him. But Alshon Jeffrey will get that, you know, he can get that jump ball pass. And Cutler's probably one of the only guys who can really deliver it to him. Cameron Meredith didn't have an amazing game. No. But at the same time, it, you know, the, all things considered, this is more about the run this week. And um, Zach Miller. I, yes. I played Zach Miller. You read my mind. Miller. And, um, you know, I like him even more now with the idea that Cutler, Cutler likes to throw to him. He had a great game in yeah. fantasy. I agree. So. I, I totally think Zach Miller is a, is a sweet little tight end pickup. You know, his value, if anything, goes up. Now that Cutler's there, I I completely agree. He's definitely worth the stash. If you're if you're if you've got like Kyle Rudolph as your tight end, I would say go look for Zach Miller. Zach Miller's going to be an yeah. upgrade at this point and probably for the rest of the season. I think that's a fair assessment. It's time to kind of cut the cord on Kyle Rudolph just because there's so many question marks with that uh, that Vikings offensive line and just offense in general. Bradford, I don't know if he's going to be able to grab the reins on this? No, or I, I don't think he will. dealing with this, this shakiness for the rest of the year. I don't think he will, man. This is, this is, I think it's just going to get uglier. And I'm, I mean, the defense is what's going to have to keep them in the season. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's what they've been hanging their hat on since the beginning. If anything, I think we're going to see this Vikings offense continue to come back down to earth. Uh, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting just because we want to see, it's going to be a test of whether or not they can kind of persevere and, and get things back to rights, but I don't know, man. It's not looking good right now. No, it is not. It is absolutely not. Are you ready to move on? I think so. Okay, we come to the last game on the docket. Last, and I think I will probably say least because I put it as the last game on the docket. Thursday night football, the Jacksonville Jaguars lose to the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to be honest, Shock. I didn't take many notes on this game because I don't really know if there was much to say about this game. It was over at halftime. The Titans went up pretty early and often. The Jaguars are bad. Blake Bortles had a lot of garbage time scoring. Uh, what the hell is there worth saying about this game? I'd still say, you know what, Derrick Henry's still worth a stash. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry looked good, man. Even though he's not really the starter and DeMarco Murray is just absolutely lighting it up from the running back position mm-hmm. here. Derrick Henry's still worth a stash just because, one, you know for a fact that DeMarco Murray is hurt and can't play for a game. You know Derrick Henry's going to get the rocks, going to get a chance to absolutely just do it. And he even had a touchdown. I think he had 60 yards for a touchdown. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He got so in the end zone. He has fantasy value. They let him play. He gets, I thought he got about 11 carries. 
and the Jaguars didn't have an answer for him, so he, he ran all over them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I certainly think Derrick Henry is worth a stash. Like, that guy is a tasty handcuff if I've ever seen one, because you nailed it. One thing happens to Murray, you know he's going to go in there and go rumbling and stumbling all over the place. Blake Bortles, unfortunately, I, Dude. he has flashes of brilliance, and this is the same thing I oh. had with him last year. He'll have a game with... 300 yards and three touchdowns, and then the next week he just absolutely eats shit. Dude, so, I can't. That guy, Blake Borles, drives me nuts. Allen Robinson, I mean, I mean, at least Allen Robinson had a decent PPR day, but just this offense is just, oh, God, it's it's rough to watch. And, and they've, I mean, this is a coaching situation. This has got to be a coaching situation. They should be taking a step forward, and they're taking steps back. Yeah, it's... I don't know what it is. I don't think it's the um, offensive line. It's really, one, the running game is not really great. No, running game's terrible. Not much much to speak of. I don't know if it's the play calling, but they're really not. They're just not doing it. Alan Hearns is pretty solid. Marquise Lee is pretty solid. Ellen Robinson is great. You know, it's just Julius Thomas. They have a pretty solid tight end. They've got pieces. Just not putting them together. Yeah, that's, I I feel like that's got to be coaching. Um, The Titans look good. Titans, you know, are, are continuing to trek along. You know, I don't think they had much of an opponent in the Jaguars, but, you know, the running game is there. Mark, Mariota looks a little better. Um, he looks better. He lo- I think um, I was reading an interesting article. Uh, they were analyzing kind of the uh, the play calling in Tennessee, and they pointed out something that really telegraphs. Uh, uh, and granted, we know when you go to the shotgun position, you're going for the pass most likely. Also, you use it for, like, quarterback or you know, running back draw plays. The Titans almost never run draw plays. When they go into shotgun, it's pretty much guaranteed they're going to throw. And when they line up in the regular I formation, they always run. So it kind of keys defenses in. And even then, you know what? It doesn't mean shit. DeMarco Murray's still running all over people. No one's been able to stop him. So it's it's really surprising that even if defenses can read them, they can still score at will on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, again, that's saying something about you know, you watch enough film, you're going to start being able to see what the hell they're doing. Yeah, it's just, it's. I still can't really give people fantasy, you know, confidence uh, on a Kendall Wright, per se, or, uh, well, I'd probably say uh, Richard Matthews has more value, but Kendall Wright is still kind of a question mark. He can have a big a big day and another time, you know, yeah, and, and might be a question mark. I mean, listen, he got a nice touchdown, but you, you said it. Like, how much can you count on the consistency and... I mean, Rashard Matthews doesn't get the end, doesn't see the end zone as often as Kendall Wright, but he's consistent. Like he gets in that yeah. passing game a lot. I mean, in PPR, PPR, PPR value, yeah. he's got PPR value. He's at least dependable. And of course, Delaney Walker is Delaney Walker. Just he's a tight end, you know, with a running back's ability. Oh yeah, Del- Delaney Walker is still the best pass catching option I feel that's on Tennessee. Aside from that, I think I mean that's that's pretty much just for the Titans, man. I. I in anything, it's probably the only set and solid thing is DeMarco Murray running back. And if you really need to pick up a quarterback for the week, if you're on the bye and you kind of don't have many options, I'll tell you look at Mariota if you look at the matchup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, listen, I started Mariota uh, one week when my quarterback was on a bye. I didn't feel bad about it. I like him. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. We went through all the games, Shaka. God bless you, sir. We did the slate. It is time to now pick winners for Week 9. Thursday Night Football, Atlanta Falcons on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Shaka, who you got? Uh, Jameis Winston, I I 
like the guy. I think there's potential. I think he's still kind of got a few miscues to get on, you know, get on the ball about. And that being said, there's a good example he can learn watching a Matt Ryan come in and take a W out of your house. I'm going to have to go Falcons on this one for sure, especially with Tampa with a questionable running game this week. I'm going to agree. I'm also going to pick the Atlanta Falcons. I think they are on a roll. They're just way too hot to be slowed down. This offense is going to explode all over their face. They're going to get a little bit of a rematch from week one. We might forget this, but week one of this season, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Falcons in Atlanta, if you can believe that, now that the se- now that we're halfway through the season and these teams look the way they do. Um, I'm definitely going to go with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, Jesus himself in pads. I think they're going to run all over, throw all over, go offense all over this Buccaneers team. Absolute shootout. Um, I'll be interested to see any defense in this game, but I'm definitely going to side with you pick with the Falcons as well. It's a good fantasy day if you got players on any teams there. Dude, absolutely. I would say start all of them. Ooh, we got some fun divisional matchups. Pittsburgh Steelers on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. Shaka, who you got? Well, the Baltimore Ravens aren't that good, unfortunately. No, uh, no, they're not. Even even without a Ben Roethlisberger, who I hear is going to play again this year, and he, he, I think he took reps last week with uh, the practice squad, which I, I had to scratch my head because I, I, it just didn't sound right. Um, even then, the Steelers still are a better team. They still got such a leg up in the run game, and Jarvis Landry. Let's just say Jarvis Landry. Um, Carl Landry still looks Wait, it's, like a, Landry Jones. Landry Jones. Oh God. Well, Landry I, I, something. I was I'm like Carl Landry. He plays for the the Houston. He plays for the Sixers. I'm losing. I'm losing my head here. Landry so, Jones still looks almost as good as a quarterback option, unfortunately, as Joe Flacco. Just because Joe Flacco is still prone to throw interceptions, and I, I don't know. There's just something about that. Um, Steeler D. About their offense. Just, just the, the, the offense for the Ravens is still kind of questionable. Okay. So I'm going to have to go with the Steelers on this one. Okay. I, uh, you know, I'm a little I, – I, listen, that division, those guys, the black and blue division, they hit each other so hard. My, my gut instinct is to lean towards the Ravens at home. But I think you're right. I think overall the Ravens are not as good as they've been. The Steelers are a darn good team. And even with Landry Jones under center, I mean, this is the same team – you know, the the score might not reflect it, but that Landry Jones Steeler team even gave the Patriots a run for their money. Now, granted, the yeah, Patriots sure. have got some issues on defense, but so do the Ravens. The Ravens got issues on defense as well. So I'm going to side with you, man. I'm going to side with the Steelers coming in and upsetting the Ravens. Um, it's a little dicey with them being the road team, but Steelers are pretty darn good. And even with all the pieces the Ravens have, I think they'll figure out a way to shoot themselves in the foot. So I'm going to go with you as well. Pick the Steelers. I don't think this is going to be a blow-up any means, but, I, you know, expect if you get some fantasy kickers involved, it's yeah. going to be a good day yeah. for them. This is going to be great for Justin Tucker and Chris Boswell, okay? This is going to be a field goal game if there's ever a field goal game. Light it up, boys. Now, let's go to your Jets. New York Jets on the road against the Miami Dolphins. Divisional matchup, smack-mouth game in Miami. Shaka, who you got? I, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a big Dolphins fan, and uh, I, expect, I told him, I was like, this is going to be the great running back showdown this week. Oh, you know, yeah. Just to, see, just to see who's got um, who's got the firepower. Just because, uh, you know, Brian Fitzpatrick just is so shaky at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. And the running back game for the Jets, when they actually go to it and they give Matt Forte the carries, 
he, he puts up numbers. He delivers. Yeah. He tempers the, the offense, and he kind of balances things out so you don't have to worry about getting it to Brandon, Brandon Marshall and every down or who we're going to throw it to on third down. So I think, and it, this goes also on the other side, you got Jay Ajayi, you know, finally solidifying that starting position with Foster retiring, you know, and maybe kind of giving Ryan Tannehill something stable, you know, to kind of help move that offense along. So they're really kind of in a similar uh, scenario, both teams, mm-hmm. where I think they're going to have to rely on the running game. That being said, I got to go with my Jets on this. I just like the defense a little bit better. And Tannehill, you know, granted we have Fitzpatrick at quarterback. I think Tannehill is sometimes prone to making mistakes, fumbling, throwing picks. I'm hoping the Jets can kind of capitalize on turnovers and pull out the W in this one. So I'm going Jets. Okay, okay. I I will pull the contrarian pick, Shaka. I'm going to go with the Dolphins. I think coming off the bye, I think Jay Ajayi, even against that amazing front seven of the Jets, because you know they're going to be stopping the run. You know it. And they're going to force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball. Um, I think that the Jets' mistakes have been hurting them so much that this is going to be a close game. It's going to be a great divisional game, but the Dolphins have a way of sneaking these games out. Even when against the Patriots or the Bills, sometimes, you know, you just don't see them coming. And I think they're going to figure out a way to upend the Jets, maybe get a turnover at the right time. I'm going to, it's going to be small, very small margin, but I, I'm going to give it to the Dolphins. Okay, I will say this. The Jets secondary actually shows up to play. I think they're going to be all right. I, I would agree with you there. If they show up to play and they limit Tannehill's ability to throw the ball downfield, it's going to be a very different game. But uh, it does feel weird picking the Dolphins, just going to be honest. <laughs> There's like uh, a part you know, of my soul that's sort of like, this doesn't feel right at all. I'm probably going to watch this one just just because I'm dying to see the, this, this running back battle. Okay. All right. Uh, so now we talked about your Jets. Let's talk about my Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles going on the road against the New York Giants. Shaka, who you got? This is going to be a fun game, I think, just to just a rivalry, just to see these two uh, battle it out. Uh, I, you know, the Giants coming off the bye. Coming off the bye. So, Same record you know, as the Eagles, 4-3. and three. Odell Beckham should be healthy a little bit better. I think he had a, a bum hip, and it's kind of showing a little bit. Eli has needed some time to kind of get his head straight because, God, I don't know. I just does not look like a good starting quarterback. He's do, doing an Eli? He's pulling an Eli? He's, he's looked like shit. Yeah, and I mean, more so than usual. Um, still. I, and also, you know, I think I think coming off that tough loss to the, uh, the Cowboys last week, I think the Eagles are looking – to kind of to, to put the screw to someone. And I, I'm just curious to see, one, if they can get the running game going. They really need to get the running game going. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially against a tough Giants defense. I'm going to go Eagles in a close one. I'm going to say this one's going to be a field goal deciding the whole fucking thing. Okay, okay. I'm also going to pick the Eagles. I think they are going to be very, very nasty to chew up and spit out somebody after that painful loss to the, the Cowboys. I think the Giants, even coming off a bye, will be ready for this, and I think they're going to be dangerous. But I don't think the Giants are very good. Uh, I, I think they've had some issues on offense and defense. You know, they've got some upgrades on defense, but, you know, the wins they've had have been against, you know, bad teams and, and forgettable offenses. The one game that actually looked impressive was when they beat up a uh, – you know, they held Drew Brees and the Saints to 13 points. I don't know how the hell they did that. Um, but I, I still just, the Eagles are a good team. 
And I think that they're going to sock it to Eli. They're going to, you know, get a couple of turnovers at the right time. And I think you're right. I think it'll be a field goal that decides the whole thing. But uh, I'm going to give a tip my cap to the Eagles, man. I say look for Victor Cruz to have a big game. Ooh, they need him to be involved. Good call. He's salsa. A sleeper pick. The sleeper pick. Let's hope we see a little salsa in the Meadowlands. That'd be nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up on the docket, Dallas Cowboys go on the road against the 0-8 Cleveland Browns. Shaka, who you got? Man, this is... Do we even have to have a conversation about this? This is No, uh, no, we don't. <laughs> I, I see Ezekiel Elliott pulling out two touchdowns before he doesn't even play in the fourth quarter. Just, he's going to have a monster day. This uh, is going to be fun to watch. He's my favorite running back to watch in the NFL right now just because he's just a great combination of speed and power and elusiveness, and he's going to pretty much take it all out on the, the Browns next week. Uh, Cowboys for sure. Pop quiz, Ezekiel Elliott... Over or under 200 yards from scrimmage? Oh, from scrimmage. Ooh, I'm, ta- I'm talking receiving. Rushing. I'm saying rushing, receiving 200 yards together. Do you think he cracks that against the Browns? Well, it's a good question. Uh, they don't really – they pass him out the backfield, but not that often. Still, he has the game-breaker potential every single time. I'm going to go, go under. i got to go under. Okay. Slightly. Right. i say 170. Just a quick little, you know, had to ask, had to ask. I, I'm not going to dwell on this either. I'm picking the Cowboys as well. That's pretty straightforward. They're just dominating right now. Um, next up on the docket, Jacksonville Jaguars on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. Shaka, who you got? I, I'd probably want to check in on this game time to time just to see how Nick Foles is doing. I, I'm not really rooting for him per se, but it's just a, a fascinating scenario that's kind of developed out of nowhere. In Kansas City, um, I'd say they'd be in the Jaguars for sure, but I'm just more curious to see how it happens. Uh, okay. That defense is going to lock Blake Bortles up. He's going to throw a couple picks just mm. because he's just not great at executing. Mm-hmm. So this one's the Chiefs for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm picking the Chiefs as well. They're dominant. They're dominant at home. Their defense is great. This Jaguars team is in a complete tailspin, in my opinion. Uh, there's nothing else to say. Chiefs all the way. Uh, next up, Detroit Lions on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. Shaka, who you got? This is a very uh, this is a very interesting game just because yes. two teams are coming off some some really rough losses mm-hmm. and they're both kind of looking for answers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really I don't really have much faith or confidence in that Lions defense and that being said, they're going to be kind of the the, tr- the the pivot point of this entire matchup. The Lions defense can get some pressure. Mhm and kind of shake up Sam Bradford, mm-hmm. they got a really good chance of winning this. And like you said before, Sam, you know, the Vikings' defense is it's hurting a little bit. It's not as, as intimidating and as scary as it used to be. And I think the Lions have just enough weapons to kind of tilt this one. It's going to be a fun game to watch just because, you know what, I'm going to make my pick. I'm going to go Lions. But you know what? I could be totally fucking wrong next week. You know, I, I, dude, I'm I'm feeling you because I'm sitting here now and my instinct wants to pick the Lions for everything that you just said. I think their offense is better. I think they've got a strong enough defense that they can at least shake up the Vikings' offense and cause trouble there. The thing that makes me also agree with you in the sense of picking the Vikings, you know, like you're saying, you're picking the Lions, but you can also see the Vikings winning, is because the Vikings have been good at home. The last couple of games that they've lost, they've been on the road. They were on the road against the Bears. They were on the road against the Eagles. Now they come back home. They're actually, according to this, they're 3-0 and at home. So you could actually see that defense step up and make some huge plays against this Lions team. 
But even all of that said, Shaka, I'm totally with you. I want to pick the Lions because I think the Lions are better than we're giving them credit for. I think their offense is pretty stellar. And I think they're going to find ways to get the ball down the field and, and at least kick some field goals and get in the end zone at least once to get them ahead of this Vikings team. And I think the Vikings offense is that bad and the Lions defense is going to figure out a way to slow them down enough, almost just like this Bears game from last night, slow them down enough where they can pull out a win. So I'm going to agree with you and pick the Lions, but I totally also agree with you that, dude, at any given time, the Vikings could totally win this game. Yeah, I'm okay with being wrong on this one because it just could happen. Minnesota could just put together just enough to kind of to kind of pull this one out. Oh, it's going to be a close game. Who knows? We might be saying 13 to 10 next. Yeah, week. I I completely agree. I could see 13 to 10. I could see 17 14. That makes total sense. Uh, next up on the docket, Carolina Panthers go on the road against the Los Angeles Rams. Shaka, who you got? It's just a strange. Yeah. Strange well, matchup, going cro- going cross country. Rams coming off the bye. Uh, it's, you know the Rams defense is kind of it's not as good as it was looking at the start of the season. They're not playing teams as toughly as they did before. No, they didn't. No, and especially the run. They're 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 looking a lot softer against the run, which is the big surprise. They got a guy like uh, Aaron Donald mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the middle, who's and, who's and a monster. They're, they're they're getting beat up a little bit, so it's surprising. Uh that being said, you know, Case Keenum throws the football well. I, I just don't think he's got enough to really, one, keep up with this Panthers defense, even though it's not fucking great. Mm-hmm. It's just not enough. He doesn't have enough firepower in Brian Quick and Kenny Britt mm-hmm. to really to really keep up with. And, you know, uh, Cam Newton at any given point can can put on the Superman shirt and, and just rack up the points. So I think, I think we're going to be looking at just domination on the ground, really running the football. Jonathan Stewart's not going to get 100 yards, but look to see him score a couple more touchdowns. Uh, I got to go Panthers in this one for sure. Okay, okay. This is also, I'm really challenged as well. This is tricky, tricky, tricky. I would want to pick the Panthers just because I think they're better than the Rams. I think the Rams have been up and down. I can't trust their defense. As great as it is, I can't trust it. I can't trust their offense because their offense is terrible one week and then actually prolific the next week. Uh, my gut is going with the Panthers because the Panthers just came off a great spirited win. And I know that there is talent on that Panthers defense. And if they actually do what they did this past week and dedicate themselves to running the ball and playing some stiff defense, they're going to come out with the victory. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with you. I'm going to pick the Panthers as well on the road because I think they're thirsty for a road win. And I think that Rams team, I don't trust them. I think they're going to come out with a great game plan but they're going to make enough mistakes that they'll they'll figure out a way to lose. I got to pick the Panthers as well. That's a very interesting, uh, very interesting game coming out. I'm, I'm very curious. I just don't see those two teams matching up against each other. No, no. It, it's very strange matchup. I'm kind of curious to see if it'll be high scoring or low scoring. Uh, next up, next up on the docket, New Orleans Saints on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. Shaka, who you got? kind of a no-brainer. I think Colin Kaepernick's going to have a good game. So if you're looking for a fantasy quarterback and you're kind of in a rough situation after the bye, Saints defense ain't that great. Nope. He's going to be at least put it down on the ground running the football, and I expect him to throw at least one or two touchdowns. But he'll give you a pretty solid fantasy day. That nope. being said, the 49ers got no chance of winning this one. Their defense is awful. Kaepernick's okay. He might throw a pick or two. Um, 
And the 49ers just, there's, they don't have the pieces, they don't have the personnel to deal with the firepower that Drew Brees can bring to you on any given Sunday. So I'm going to go Saints for sure in this one. Dude, I'm picking the Saints as well, man. Drew Brees is going to just, he's going to make it rain. They're going to have nothing to do with it. There's going to be no answer. Niners, listen, it'll be a bit of a shootout. The Niners will figure out a way to move the ball with that Saints D, but if anybody's D is as bad, if not worse, than the Saints D, it's the Niners D. So I got to go with the Saints. Yeah, this is it. That's an easy one. Next up, Tennessee Titans on the road against the San Diego Chargers. Shaka, who you got? Whew. Yeah, it's tough. San Diego defense is really what's going to kind of clinch this one for me. They're, it's so much better. It's so much more aggressive. They, they, they really get at you and they attack you. I expect the Marco Murray to do his thing. I expect him to get his, you know, his kind of granted 90 to 120 yards rushing, maybe a touchdown. But I just don't see Marcus Mariota being able to stand in that pocket for very long and get a chance to throw and to kind of extend, you know, to get third-down conversions. I think they're going to give him hell in the backfield. Um, I think Philip Rivers is going to have a great game. The, the Tennessee defense isn't isn't much to speak of. Yeah, at least not the secondary. And I can't tell you if it's going to be Dontrell Inman or Tyler Williams, but that's pretty much every friggin' week we're not going to know. <laughs> I would say look for Hunter Henry to have a pretty solid game. Uh, Melvin Gordon's going to definitely have a touchdown. Receiving or rushing. Uh, I'm going to go to San Diego Chargers. Probably going to be like 25 to 37 for all we know. Yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with you, man. I'm picking the Chargers as well. I'm I'm excited to watch that game. I think it'll be a couple of good teams. I think the Chargers have got more firepower than the Titans. I think the Titans have got some good things going on, but I think the Chargers will outscore them. And I think you're right. I think that defense is going to get after Marcus Mariota. I think that even Demarco Murray, he's going to get his. But the pass rush, Joey Bosa, they're going to interrupt timing. They're not going to be able to move the ball in any other way. And I. I got to go with the Chargers at home as well, man. They're looking good, and this is a win that I think they are going to really be wanting after that painful loss to the Broncos. That's a fun game to watch if you like touchdowns. Dude, definitely. Yeah, I, 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 I've always liked watching Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Always entertaining. Uh, next up on the docket, Indianapolis Colts go on the road against the Green Bay Packers. Shaka, who you got? Oh, wow. This, this is... Again, this is another no-brainer, I think, matchup-wise. Oh, yeah. Defense is Offensive line is not great. Andrew Luck is, I mean, your shining star. And T.Y. Hilton probably going to have a solid day. Um, Frank Gore, maybe. I, I honestly don't see him getting close to even 75 yards on the ground. Yeah. Um, but just because they're going to be out of it so quickly. Aaron Rodgers has got so many weapons, even the ones you know the names of and the ones you don't know the names of. <laughs> I expect Tom Montgomery to be back. I expect them to get, you know, some good reps at the running back and barbecue position. Uh, check your uh, fantasy uh, injury report just to make sure. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely play him. I'm, I'm going to play him this weekend if uh, he's healthy enough to go. But um, I got I got the uh, I got the Green Bay Packers all the way in this one. Dude, I'm totally with you. Packers all the way. Colts, I think it'll be a shootout. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to put a lot of points on the board, but I also think... I see Andrew Luck putting points on the board. He could uh, Andrew Luck could make this a really and actually a worthwhile game and very interesting and not a blowout. But either way, Lambeau Fields, Aaron Rodgers, soft defense that he's playing, Packers all the way, man. Sunday night football. This could be Shaka's game in a week. 
The 6-2 Denver Broncos go on the road to play their divisional rival, 6-2 Oakland Raiders. Shaka, who you got? Dude, you know me so well. I mean, there's no way I can't not look at this as the game of the week. We're finally going to see what Derek Carr's made of. Yep. Actually, I'm kidding. We've already seen what he's made of. We know what he's made of. Uh, now it's just to see how he handles probably the most vaunted defense in the NFL. And yep. I think he's going to do okay. I thought that Raiders team put up points, man. They put him up against everybody so far they've faced, even the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question of, I don't think it's going to be a huge and high-scoring game. Because the Broncos are still going to give him pressure. He's going to get sacked a few times. Uh, and the running game is not doing much to help him. And that being said, on the other side of the football, uh, right now the running game for the Denver Broncos is kind of a it's kind of a question. Uh, Devontae Booker, we're going to see what he's made of. Because the, the Raiders' defense is kind of squishy. Dude, they, it is. They, the Raiders, you know, I mean, this is the ultimate discussion of, like, offense versus defense, man. Yeah. I, you know, um... You got Michael Crabtree, you got to play him. You know, it's a tough defense, but he's still in the red zone. He's The, the man has pulled out magic this year, and he's, he, he looks like he's got such a good relationship, good chemistry with Derek Carr. Still, man, this is a really hard call. It's um, a hard call. I got to go with that Broncos defense. I, I just see maybe one defensive touchdown, they're going to return a fumble or something for a touchdown, just because that's usually how they keep themselves in games. They don't have the offense you know i'm sitting here thinking about this right now um it's hard, man. It's really hard. it's a hard, hard one because i'm sitting here saying they're going to be in oakland they're going to be at home the raiders are going to th- they're going to throw the ball they are going to score a lot of points but then i'm like they're playing the broncos d and i'm like wait a minute sam broncos defense wins championships Defense makes the decision maker of the game. The Raiders don't have a run game. They've only got a pass game. You know, they thrive against teams that have poor defenses that are able that they're able to throw on. And you know what? I don't think they're going to be able to throw on the Broncos. So I'm totally agreeing with you. I'm picking the Broncos defense. It's going to be a hell of a game to watch. And I seriously want to see Derek Carr play this team because this could be a nice little, you know, matchup for years to come. Uh, yeah, this is this touches on what I was saying before. Right? I, you know, I've gotten by on him throwing the football. Like, what happens when they run into a situation where they need to run it? And they, here we go. Lo and behold, I didn't know the schedule had them going up against the Broncos. And man, it's it, it's a big test. It's going to be a big test. But I think you and I, you know, listen, we're taking the conservative call. We're picking the Broncos defense on the road on Sunday Night Football. And you know what? That's the same defense that won the Super Bowl. So. I'm already excited to talk about this one next week, you know, yeah. the aftermath of it. Oh, my God. I, I really want to see how this shakes out. Really want to see how this shakes out. Uh, Shaka, last game on the docket. Monday night football. Buffalo Bills on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. Shaka, who you got? This is another weird matchup. I, man, LaShawn McCoy not playing in this game, which is, I mean, in all likelihood, I, if, if the Bills are smart, you kind of keep him out of this game, like I said before. Because the Legion of Boom will, and I want to say targeting, because it's, it, it's in poor taste to use that, but they're not going to be kind to him. You no. know, they're, you're obviously going to play a guy who's, you know, one, their biggest offensive weapon. You're going to play him rough because you don't want him to hurt you. And, you know, if you can get him out of the game, good. That being said, I, I don't see the Bills playing LaShawn McCoy unless he's absolutely, you know, game ready, and again, I don't see it. Mike Gillespie's a good option, but 
that Seattle defense is hungry, and you know they want a W after just giving one up to the Saints last week. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I, I've still got so many questions about Russell Wilson right now. Um, just as the scoring quarterback, he's he's kept the team in games and kept them competitive. Yeah. But he's he's not doing those small things that really make Seattle dangerous. They're they're kind of an okay team to me right now. They're not super super dangerous. You respect them, but. I don't look at them the same way I look at, you know, the Broncos or the Raiders. Yeah. So I'm going to go Seahawks in this one just because uh, I think the Legion of Boom is going to Tyrod Taylor penned in, and yeah. without much of a dangerous running game, the Bills don't really have much to show. No, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm totally with you. It's Listen, the Bills, you know, they've got some positives, but, you know, McCoy's probably not going to play. They're going West Coast. They're going to be playing in Seattle. We all know how difficult it is to play in Seattle. And as yeah. as as many ineptitudes that you've seen with the Seattle offense, I still think they're going to figure out a way to move the ball on this Buffalo Bills defense. The Bills defense is good. It's not that good. Um, and, you know, I think Christian Michael's going to have a field day. I think Mike Gillisley's going to do his best to get any yardage against the Seahawks. But at the end of the day, I'm picking the Seahawks as well, man. It's, dude, Russell Wilson will work some magic. It might be... It might be a field goal. It might be 13-10. It might be 16-13, but I got to go with the Seahawks again, man. It's hard to bet against them in Seattle against a team like the Bills. I think Russell Wilson gets one touchdown at least this week. I, at the very I least? Him having a, I don't see him having a monster day, but I, he's, I, I think it's probably in his head, too. He needs, to, he needs to, to break the spell. Okay. All right. Shaka, that is it, man. We've run, we've recapped week eight. We've gone down our picks for week nine. The one thing I will leave us with before we sign off is adios to Andre Johnson, who officially retired this week. Yes, that's right. Oh, man. 14 years. 14, 14 years, man. Just great years with the Texans. I really, I, you know what? I guess he just didn't see himself having the physicality, especially last year when he played with the Colts. Yeah. And, you know, you can see the really decline. You know, and the one thing I'll, I'll say before we sign off is that uh, I think there is something to be said for going out on your own terms. And I think when you retire midseason, it is your way of saying, you know what, I'm going to leave. Because at the end of the season, when the team doesn't re-sign you and nobody's calling and you don't have a contract, you're just like, oh, um, guess nobody wants me. I guess I'll retire. But at least now you're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to walk out the door. I quit. I retire. Adios. Thank you very much. And listen, I don't know if that's the reason, but either way, he's walking out the door on his, on his terms. God bless him. Yeah, it's sad to see him go, but you know what? If you're done, you're done. You're exactly. done. Going out in terms is perfect. Dude, dude, NFL, as a John Dorenbos, the long snapper for the Eagles, says NFL means not for long. <laughs> uh, um, dude, that's the one thing I get to point out here. Um, please, please. I, you you mentioned earlier that uh, that Nile Davis had been signed by the Jets. He has now been cut. What what what? The Jets have signed, or they're about to sign CJ Spiller. What? Yeah, I I, I just I just saw my my phone just sent me like an alert, and I looked down and I said, "What? Okay." So, wow. Yeah, <laughs> they literally signed him for a couple of hours. Can you believe that shit? Yeah. So, it's not official, but it's uh, it, it, it's. It's close to being a done deal. Wow. Uh, what did we just say about football, NFL meaning not for long? <laughs> sometimes, it, 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 dude, sometimes it means a couple of hours. Uh, you know what? It was a good 
was nice to have you in Jets uniform. I'm <laughs> sure he didn't even get to finish the stitching on uh, his jersey yet. We're going to rip it off, man. We're going to be throwing on a different name real soon. <laughs> oh, man. NFL, man. Uh, I love this shit. I like the change of pace. So Spiller's always been a fast guy. Um, maybe, you know what, I, I'm wondering in my head, and this is me subconsciously, there was a point when C.J. Spiller was with the Bills, and he Dude. was really part of, yeah, this is, I think he got drafted by the Bills, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, he was a bit, um, there was a bit of a two-headed monster going on there. Yeah, they had him in, um, Fred, was it Fred? Fred, Fred Jackson. Jackson. Fred Jackson, that oh, he yeah. had, where Jackson was the, the guy who pounded it, and C.J. Spiller would catch it out of the backfield, and mm-hmm. he'd do the gash guys. And, you know, it worked. So I'm wondering if they're kind of bringing him in to kind of help with the, um, maybe taking some of the pressure off of Fitzpatrick. I mean, I... some more ranking and passing in there. I hope so, because C.J. Spiller is talented, man. He's got speed. Like, I don't think... And he, he's, he can line up in a slot as a wide receiver, yep. you know, for some quick plays. And he, God knows the Jets need another guy who can catch the football right now. Hey, C.J. So, Spiller has caught one of the few touchdown passes that Russell Wilson has thrown this year. Yeah, so, I mean, if he gives the Jets offense another look or another head, yeah, take it. And, uh, uh, folks, that is how we do our fantasy football podcast. At the start of the podcast, Niall Davis was on the Jets, and now he's not. So, you know, lots of things can happen in a simple podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, things change, buddy. Things change here. Uh, Everyone, thank you for listening. As always, subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Uh, uh, Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at Smithface Jones or just Sam Rosenberg. Um, as always, it's uh, me and Shaka coming back to talk about uh, every week and every game and every little bit of football to keep you up to date so that we do all the work for you. Shaka, anything to say before we sign off? Guys, it's always a pleasure. Um, this is just fun for me. This is, you know, this is just talking football, which is. You know, it's amazing. It's just fun. Uh, So thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Yeah, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We love talking football, and it's just a joy to have somebody out there to, uh, to join us in this enjoyable discussion that we have. So we're signing off for this week. We'll be back next week. We'll break down week nine. We'll go through all the craziness that happens in this coming weekend. Hope you enjoy it. Enjoy your football games. We will be back. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the games.